Kia ora everyone, welcome back to the Side Hit Podcast. I'm your host, Fat Tony, and today with us we have Hayley Ashby. Welcome, Hayley. Hello. How are you going? Yeah, pretty good, all in all. Can't complain. Good to be down here as well in the snow. Sweet, so a bit of a winter, um, a winter escape? Yeah, very much so. I've been trying to come down at least once a year for the last few years. It's been a bit of a while before I was able to do that, but yeah, I've been trying to get down at least been kind of nice it's so much busier this year than what it was the past two years that's for sure crazy eh? which i didn't think would have been possible with what we experienced the last couple of years but here we are here we are have you had some good uh days riding or anything so far yeah had a day at coronet and a day at remarks it was amazing yeah both i mean we kind of scored it was super sunny weather and just slushy snow and super fun so yeah, it was pretty fun being at Remarks again. I kind of forget how great that spot is. Yeah, it's pretty cool, eh? And I've been hearing the coronet's been riding pretty yep. well this year. Really good snow cover. And... Yeah, really good. That surprised me considering, like, rain, warmth, and all the kind of stuff mm. we've had around. But it was awesome. Yeah, it was rad. Yeah. So then hopefully head up Kadrona this week and, yeah, see what cool. happens. Cool. So back to the old stomping grounds a little bit. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> Sweet. Well, we'll fire this one up. Uh, where are you from, Haley, and how'd you get into snowboarding? So I'm actually born in Tupuki, of all places, yep, and grew up uh, rurally, like on a farm outside of Tupuki, and snowboarding started, I grew up with an older brother who skated and surfed, so spent my whole time trying to do both of those things, and then in maybe sixth form I did uh, outdoor education. And one of the things was we had a really adventurous uh, teacher and he took us to Ropehu, like fuck Papa side and we were able to we built a dug our own snow cave and stayed in it overnight. <laughs> and if we we were also allowed to spend like half a day either skiing or snowboarding. So I went and yeah, rented and did snowboarding. So that was like ninety six, ninety seven. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was my first touch of it uh and then my brother worked for hot buttered at the time and they were actually like importers for GNU wow yeah up in Auckland so So. I came back frothing and he uh for my birthday he gave me my first snowboard so I could you know barely point but I got a snowboard so that was amazing go older bro yeah 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 so we can thank him for a lot and we yeah and then um a couple of years well past i did seventh form and then i went to art school in auckland so i was studying art school and um met just some fun lots of skateboarders that were there and um a couple of people uh reese boberg oh, if you remember him yep. so he was yeah deep into snowboarding and so we started going riding. So he taught me to snowboard on a closed day at Two Rower. <laughs> so we're talking Alpine Meadow, whiteout conditions, just horrible. And yeah, we're like hiking up and then yeah, trying to like figure out turns. So yeah, pretty committed to it. Yeah. Um, in the whole, yeah. But we probably did more snowboarding than art thing. Like we kind of figured out there's kind of a magic recipe that if you make your art topic about something to do with the snow or about snowboarding or some kind of way you can pretty much talk your way into most things in art school if you can quantify the idea Mm. then you can make progress so yeah we went down a couple more times and i was super into it and so then i because i was studying at the time i was able to defer my studying and go get the work usa program 
Oh, is that the um, HDB? Yeah, J two. J one. Yeah, J one. Yeah, yeah, J ones. So I signed up to that program, um, and I had a cousin who was getting married in the states, and my parents had said that they would like fly the family over to, to the merit to the wedding, and I was like, well, could I use that airfare and go on the Work USA program, and then I'll come and meet you guys. So that was what happened. Um, so I got a job at Mammoth working in the um, Canyon Lodge shop. So kind of different to a lot of people. I didn't do instructing. I always worked in, in retail. That was always my side gig when I was studying, mm. and that's what I got there. So had, did you go from a whiteout day at Whakapapa yeah. to Mammoth? Yeah. It's quite a bit of a different <laughs> world. <laughs> and, then, and then, just to make it worse, like I probably only had a few days at Mammoth, and it just dumped with snow. And so I was with people and we went up like Lincoln, which is one of the little mountains on Canyon side. And we're talking like a meter or a meter and a half of snow. And I can barely link turns. And it was just <laughs> like the worst thing ever. And I'm like, why does everybody like powder? Like I'd like, you know, like go two meters, try and turn and just die. And mm. then I'd spend like an hour trying to climb myself back <laughs> out of it. Not knowing what to do, like, you know, like, I was just in tears by the end of it. I was just like, this is the worst day ever. Mm. So Abdominals would have had a pretty good workout. Oh, my God, yes, I was so rinsed from it. Like, so, yeah, not of my recommendation in Mm. any way, shape, or form. Um, But then, yeah, over the season, got a hang of it, Mm. and used to ride, like, Canyon had a fun little park, and, So, yeah. was there a moment that season that snowboarding clicked? Yeah. A particular moment that you... I don't remember it exactly. All right. Um, I do have... My memory's not great with exacts. It's very good with the vibes. But there was definitely something that clicked there, and it must mm. have happened. I guess my stronger memories are of, like, yeah, sunny days and riding through the park and kind of exploring through that way. So, there was definitely something that clicked, and, like... Even got a wrangle on powder because we went and rode June Mountain at the end of the season, which is just was amazing. Like that place back then would sit untouched for days. Mm. Like you could go five days afterwards and it would be untracked. Oh. Like it was such a cool little mountain. Wow. Um. So yeah, something and clicked over how there. How was it seeing the scope of the resorts oh, compared to what? Incredible. Yeah. I don't really didn't really understand that until coming back. So I came back from. Um, the states and another thing that I wouldn't recommend I did a season in Alcone so (laughs) going from that to like living in Alcone and Railway Row and these shitty houses and what's Railway Row? Railway Row is um, it's the street right next to the the railway line and the railway station Mm -hmm. and it was built for the railway workers and all of the houses have a front and back door that goes straight through the house Mm. and the back door which is actually onto the railway track like you're like three meters from the railway track like so they're all these old railway houses they are cold like you know they're all what years you know built in the 60s 50s earlier Mm. i don't know so like everything's cold and you're just never warm and it's never sunshine and the mountains never open. Like, I think we maybe got like five days riding, you know, like Jesus. it was, it was tough. So I, were you working or? Same thing, worked in a little snowboard shop there that was kind of starting up. Right. Um, so helped them get set up and get systems into place and all that kind of what thing. What snowboard shop was that? 
Uh, I can't actually remember. Uh, the board shop, maybe. The, the, the board shed. So there oh, was yeah. a ski shed. There was a red ski shed. And then it was a board shed. And this was maybe... Uh, so I was 21 then, I think. And it was so... Yeah, 2021. So this is maybe only three or four years after the eruption. Yeah. As well. Like, so that was such a hangover in the town. Like, So it was town still... Yeah, recovering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was still something that was talked about. It was still like, yeah, something that was always discussed. And there was a, yeah, there was a real feeling of recovery basically from from the Mm. eruption. I mean, where I grew up in the when it erupted. So I used to live in, uh, like you know how you have a room in the garage. Mm. When I was a bit older, I moved out into the garage and uh, slept in as you did as a teenager. So crawl out of bed at like eleven o'clock, open my window, and there's just ash everywhere. And I'm just like, what the fuck has gone on? <laughs> like, completely unaware of what, yeah. And so that was all just from the eruption. So it was still, yeah, very front of mind. Yeah, sounds like that would have been the season if you were a bartender, you would have been busy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of drinking. There was a lot of shenanigans. Like, we lived with, um, you know, uh, with Reese. There was, like, me and my friend Amy. We had Reese. We had uh, Christian Phillips. So a whole bunch of crew were kind mm. of all around at that point. And we were just sort of floating around and trying to get by. And Christian Phillips, fuck, wouldn't... I, I can't even remember... We talk about him, and I think it might be Steve Dunstan's episode mm-hmm. with Huffer and shit. It's just like how good that guy was on like every everything. Board, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And yeah, well, didn't he win the? Was it the ultimate I'll, board? Whatever it was. Well, uh, Is that what it was called? Yeah, I, was I don't. I don't know what the result was. Yeah. I remember reading about it and reading that Omar Hassan was in the same top three. Yeah. Like, wow, yeah. <laughs> yeah. just one of those naturally gifted, eh? Yeah, mm. with style as well. And yeah, so we had lots of lots of people used to come and stay with us, and like every room had a double bed and a single bed in it. Mm. So like every weekend, it was like a house full of people. Yeah. But so yeah, that was that was yeah a heck of an experience. That's the classic season of year accommodation. Yeah. Starting camp. Yeah. 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 And yeah, and so then um, the season after that, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go to Wanaka. So I applied down here and got jobs at Coronet and Cadrona. Mm. Um, so that was 2001 and ended up choosing, yeah, Wanaka and Cadrona for, so, I don't know why, or just did. So I remember that you worked for Jenny in the retail <laughs> yes, shop yeah, there. Yeah. So I used yeah. to, I used to heckle you when I'd go past. Yeah, totally. Cause yeah, it, yeah. everyone so walked through house. the shop. Yeah. So literally everybody, I'd just stand there all day and it was just, everybody oh, came man, in that and shop out. Was a and fucking out. broom cupboard, wasn't it? Yeah, like, it was tiny. Fuck. I mean, even you look how big the shop is now. I would mm. love working in the shop now, but and yeah. it was so old school. But was it weird too? Like that shop back then was kind of like spider and all that shit. Oh, hardcore. Like, yeah. And yeah. So how was that being like this snowboard yeah, so punk? Was, and, I mean, all we sold though know. was gaiters, yeah. neck gaiters and goggles and gloves. Like that mm. was really, yeah. I guess I was probably somewhat used to it from the States. But yeah. in the States, the, the shop I worked in there was huge and we did boot fittings and all that kind of thing. Mm. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it was fine. I'm pretty used to adapting in shops. Mm. So like, it was like, ah, oh, cool. Yeah. But you just sold, just sold the basics all day long, really. Whereas nowadays it looks like people actually buy outerwear on the mountain. Oh, the like, retail before it caught fire. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, like they had a really good thing. Like yeah. they had um, a lot of like Burton and Huffer and mm. outerwear and stuff. And 
um, snow like nitro and capita snowboards. Yeah, so you could fully that blows my mind a little bit that too. someone might walk in and buy a setup on the mountain. I mean, yeah. I suppose it doesn't if you've got an old setup and you're like, oh, screw this. Well, uh, just being workshop. Yeah, like we get a lot of those old setups. Yeah, like dudes coming in with. 1994 pre 4x4 bindings like bro just just go see go buy a pair of unions mate from and and the thing about that shop was it wasn't a markup from it was the same price as in town yeah sweet so it's not like you weren't losing out in any way losing out Mm. so Mm. yeah so it's pretty cool it's a shame that uh the fire yeah it's a real shame (laughs) did what it did for them so yeah. yeah, that's when I remember meeting you, mm. and that was two thousand and one when mm. we like when Which, towers. Do you remember? Yeah, when, I still remember where yeah, I was. Same. Yeah, where were you? I was up Cadrona. So because yeah. I was a start, like I was the only staff member. Oh, there was one other girl that was part time. I think mm. we didn't have a staff do. You know how mm. all the departments had their different parties and stuff. So they said I could go and go with the um, ticket office staff do. Yeah, and so. Um, we their whole thing had been we stayed up for a night in the apartments so we stayed up a night we went up walked up to the top of Cadrona and was able to watch the sunset and then kind of rode down and then yeah had a party of some kind up there and then spent the night in the apartments and then woke up to like a groomer driver yelling to us I think it was that like it was like six in the morning the sun was coming up and he was like heard yelling outside and heard a groomer driver saying like something like you know new york's on fire or something crazy and yeah turn the tv on and that was going on mm. and it was just so weird because all these people were out riding still and out skiing and it was this bluebird day and then like you could look outside and see that and then you look on the tv and you're like see i'm that's so weird like i was i was hitching a ride on the hitching corner where right. the church is now right and me and sean and um and some guy picked us up and was like, oh, someone flew a plane into the yeah. world. And, and we just thought, we didn't think like that. We just no. thought someone's like flying a Cessna and a Chew and yeah, Dom, right. you know. Yeah. And then it wasn't until we got up there. I just remember going up there and a f- guy that uh, worked in the shop was part American, freaking yeah. out that he was going to get drafted. Right. And then, oh, wow. Um, That's an interesting perspective. Yeah, which was like, whoa, I didn't think they'd done that since mm. Vietnam. Yeah. And, uh, and I just remember... Going in, everyone was in the mares watching the TV, and yeah. I, was like, I can't handle this. I'm going out riding, and yeah, it was, good. it was pretty empty slopes that day. Yeah, it was. Yeah, weird. It, it was, was just weird. bizarre, man. So bizarre. Mm. So that's how I've always remembered that it was 2001 mm. <laughs> that I started work at Cadrona. The other funny thing is I remember starting there, and uh, Duncan was one of the managers. Well, we oh, had he was Sean. the owner. Was he the owner? Duncan was, the, was owner. the owner, and yeah. then Sean was a, was the our manager. manager. Yeah. yeah. So. Sean, uh, uh, so Duncan was sort of standing in the shop chatting to things, and I, I turned to him and I said, oh, um, so do you think it's going to snow? And he was like, it always snows. And I was like, oh, okay. Not in 2001. <laughs> well, not in, not because I came from Royal Pehu, mm. where, like, you're just, like, it's just, you know, consistent uncertainty of whether you're even going to get snow to be able to even, and then if you've got the weather to go to the snow, and so I was so used to that, mm. and, yeah, coming from that, and he's like, it always snows by the 20th of June, and I was like, oh, okay, sweet. So that was kind of the real clincher for, like, I'm not going back to, I'm staying down Two, here. <laughs> 2001 wasn't the best snow year. Wasn't it? No, no. 
Like we had that one big dump at the start, and that was it. I don't know how you remember this. Oh, because <laughs> because I was so I've been sober my whole time in this yeah. industry, I yeah. guess. But um, so I remember we barely rode powder, and then by the end of the season, like yeah. me and my friend Chris were like, "What's the biggest dirt gas we can only get?" Turned into that sort of right, season. Right. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. then there was like a um, from Captain's Cafe to Captain's Lift. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was about a two meter wide I have a memory of snow yeah, ramp. Like a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was just muddy the side of it. Mm, I remember that. And I guess um, for me though, I'm like, well, if this is probably normal, mm. but comparing it to up north, it's still a field day. Yeah. And that um, was cool because I got so like, um, yeah, I met like Emma and Liz and they became our like, we had a little uh, girls group, which we called CGC. So like I started, it was yeah made friends that year for them still friends with now so and like saw cgc yeah what's it still <laughs> doesn't matter you're on a girl crew <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty lame but it's great and um yeah like we were just yeah it was fun to like that was the first time meeting other girls who ride and like connecting mm. with them and being able to go out on little missions and then riding around and seeing like Joe and Susie mm. Parker she was yeah, and Cedar, she was writing that yeah, season, yeah. I think, too, and she was, yeah. So it was so amazing just to be, yeah, in that world and have them. That's see. a good crew. Like, Emma and um, Liz, like, Liz went on to do that bandit stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I remember that was the first time I met Emma. Yeah. And it's like, holy shit. She and Rentals with you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But see, yeah. I knew her, well, I knew of her from, from Dunedin because yeah. she worked in Cheap Echo Skate. Records and Cheapskates. Yeah. yeah. And they were the two places I'd go to. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, you're that. But yeah. I was, I, I was kind of intimidated by her. She was quite gnarly yeah. and full on. <laughs> and like, fuck. You know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but fucking GC as well. Yeah. Man. She's amazing. Yeah. 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 And then Liz is like, Liz went on to work her way up through um, instructing to really high levels. Like, I think she was one of the first woman to get one of the highest ratings. Like trainers or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she was one of the first mm. women to actually do that and got involved with TC and stuff. So, so I think like, Emma did something instructing-wise as she well. She might have done, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty bad at remembering everything. Yeah. But, yeah, so that was sort of how it all began. Mm. And then alongside of that, after being at art school, I always wanted to oh. go... <laughs> yeah, what? Do you remember the mid-season party of 2001 Is it at the, the rugby the club? the love boat one? Yes, yes, at the rugby club. Yes. Um, <laughs> me and Dion were talking about it not too long ago because uh, <laughs> we had all those past- meat pastries, right? Yes. And I was hanging out with Fraser, who was in the yes, workshop. Yes, I remember Fraser, yeah. And he's like, bro, check this out. And I had like a handful of these fucking meat pie savory yeah. things. Yeah. He's like, bro, check this out. And grabbed one out of my hand, threw it into the and ceiling yeah. fan. Yes. Yeah. And we watched it spin around yes. and then fly away. We're like... Oh my god, that's the coolest thing ever! So everyone started doing it. Am I right and that we were that Cadrona was banned from the rugby club? After yes, because <laughs> so after a while there was like inch thick meat and pastry, and <laughs> um, a couple of other people found the spare toilet rolls. Okay. And um, oh my gosh! And then they got rolled out, <laughs> and so the toilet rolls got rolled out, and then the guy playing the music was getting really fucked off. Call everyone a pack of cunts or something. <laughs> and then someone threw a savory at him and he dropped his guitar and oh, wow. fucking dropped the guy. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> put him flat on his ass. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that was quite uh, nice. Everyone, 
that was a weird season because it wasn't the best snow season. Everyone was kind of right. a bit yeah antsy, which is what antsy happens. and cagey and yeah. So yeah. definitely, like I remember that night. I remember that party, and then I also remember the end of season at Hawaii. Oh yeah, that mm. too. But also the actual last day where they used to stop and roll the tires ah, down. Yes, yeah. Like, <laughs> which is just. I mean, I sort of because they rented those vans, right? Mm. What company rent would ever repeat rental <gasps> those mean, vans those, like, after those a season vans. of renting them? Those how riversides. would they ever give them back? Well, it must have been such a big check that they, they were able money from to it, forget eh? about it. Because yeah. I remember, like, you'd lodge doors. Almost rattled oh, off. Yeah, and it's the same with the end of in the day. You remember we used to go between Luggett and Hawea. Yeah, and I swear that like the hard say it was Hawea, and they'd be like, "Never having these guys back ever again." Fuck this! And then the next year we go to Luggett and yep, they miss that right. paycheck, and then, <laughs> and then they let you come back, back. And forth for a while. So the tires that we threw down the hill, they were mm. all the spare tires in the vans, right? Yeah, and collected from other okay. sources, but okay. I'm pretty sure they were. They had hubs as well. and stuff in them. Mm. They went, yeah. Yep. And does Cause did anyone go and get them afterwards? Yeah, a couple of days later, I'm pretty right. sure. Okay, they go back through. Um, Jeff Wyatt, who um, he works up there yeah. now, and he's like old school dude. And uh, he sent me. A, he's a fucking smart ass too. He sent me a picture. He was doing some. Um, conservation work down in Pringles there wow. and he's like sent me this picture of this tyre he's like reckon I found one of your tyres there Tony <laughs> so they're still around do you know how the tradition started no because it was already going when I started going, there yeah, and I was yeah. like fuck you I'm going to get yeah. in on this I was there in 2003 when we threw the car off Campbell's oh, Bluff wow. which that was fucking funny and what year did it, did it stop did it stop when Sean left uh yeah so <laughs> so i took 2005 off and i stayed overseas yeah so and then you and straight's episode we talk about yes yeah but it's about closing yeah. day 2004 yeah. so i won't repeat that anyone just yeah. listen to that it was yeah. gnarly um lots of nudity as well as tire rolling yes yeah and then i disappeared overseas for a couple of years come back for the 2006 season yeah and i come back to a totally different mountain right because okay. all of that was really nipped in the bud. Upper management was gone. Okay, yeah. And Andy Chapman took over from Coronet, right. and it was a different Yeah, a whole different scenario. It like, possibly needed to happen. Well, I mean, I'm grateful that I got to enjoy mm, the fun, crazy years, but, yeah. You I don't know if Cadrona would be around if it yes. kept going the way it was going. Yeah, totally. Like, I don't know how no one died. Mm, yeah. I think I talk about in that one, like, where I remember watching some dude roof surfing at 100k yeah. an hour on the valley floor yeah. and shit. And yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, yeah, there's been a lot of near misses up there. Yeah, Because, yeah. I mean, it, it was still pretty raucous. It was just more underground. But yeah. I remember coming back up, what do you mean we're not throwing tires <laughs> off Keppel's Bluff? <laughs> what do you mean? Because mm. uh, it's a different... I've got photos of it. I've mm, definitely got photos somewhere. It's a somewhere. different place now oh, yeah. to what it was even when, I, mean, it, when I came back and yeah. shit. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah, definitely there's a lot of shit that wouldn't fly now. Yeah. Yeah, none mm. of that stuff. <laughs> I mean, I was impressed with how much they bounce. Like the first, I was blown away how much the yeah, tires like bounce. First bounce would be yeah. head height, and next bounce would be about twenty foot yeah. high. And yeah, yeah, I get why clearing it's fun. hairpins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, that was when, like, when you think about it, like the we had, we still had three single lane bridges. Mm. You know, like so you've got these, mm. you got these vans packed full of staff. 
and you've got That's who right. knows what driving and you know like and then we'd have these three lane bridges uh, single lane bridges that you'd have to and, and part of the road was even still gravel or maybe not nah, Crown Range might definitely have still been 2002 they all became the single lane bridges were gone that okay. was last year after. okay right and 2002 was also when they sealed the Crown Range completely yeah, yeah I remember driving over the Crown Range but I, I just remember the poor bastards being on the other side of yeah, all the ski field yes, traffic. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And yeah, that would, one yeah, poor bastard yeah. that had get stuck, didn't get it right away, totally, going the other way. And you'd just be there, yeah. And you'd yeah. just be hoping someone's yeah. going to be a GC and let you through. Yeah. That same year we had a hoar frost in the valley too. That mm. was amazing. Anyway, mm. it was a great year. Holy shit, 2001. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, great year for maybe not the greatest reasons. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it was great for me. <laughs> <laughs> we still, we yeah. still had a lot of fun. Um... Oh, yeah. well, we'll bring it back around a little bit then. In regards to snowboarding, was there any influences, uh, local, international, you're looking at? Yeah, so, um, like you, I've always been obsessed with magazines. So in the early days, I used to pour over the mags just to find, try and find female writers. So, I mean, you can kind of count us on a hand, but there was, like, um, Tina Basich, Natasha Zurich, Cara Beth, Shannon Dunn, Victoria Jalouse, they were all kind of floating around in the States. Mm. Um, Tara Dakitas and Jana Mayen were probably the two that I... I knew Tara lived in Mammoth. And she, Jana might have too, and I was always like, always looking to see if I might see she, her. That was about the time Tara Dakitas blew up. Yeah, she black like, backflip, I think, really put her yeah. on the map. Um, yeah. And she was jibbing a bit more as well than what like yeah, the other girls were. And so... Mm. Yeah, basically they were, yeah, so Tara I definitely remember, and Jana as well, like seeing Volcomad with Jana printed, like, but it was very much like, yeah, because like, I love mags, so I got every single Transworld and every single snowboarder mag while I lived mm. in the States, so I had six months with <laughs> two of these right. mags, which I brought home with me. And there's a so lot you can imagine, of pages in Transworld back then. Back then, they yeah. were fat, and they only cost like $4 in the States, so I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. And like, as you can imagine, I brought them all home, so my luggage. Holy shit, yeah. really? <laughs> yeah, I loved them oh. around with me for years. I wish I still Jesus. had them. At some point, I had to let go. But um, yeah, like... Yeah, so it was always about just, like, flicking through the mag to see if I could find any girl, basically, mm. in there. But those were, the like, the internationals that you'd kind of watch out for. Yeah. And was there any um, local or New Zealand influences you were looking at? Yeah, so definitely Jew. Like I said, mm. Jew and Susie, they were riding Kadrona with us. And so, yeah, they were, we were looking at them on a daily basis. And that would have been pretty close to or the year after that Jew's interview came out in 2000. Right. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Uh, yeah, and this was like back when pink was around. Like I oh, got, yeah. um, I managed to get a jacket from the board house. It was, it was a, like a bright pink pink so, jacket, which was like my pride and joy when I got that. Like yeah, so it was back in so those days. Was pink actually did outerwear? Yeah, yeah, yeah. right, cool. Because I, I, I could... still had that jacket, but yeah, she did. Yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah. I couldn't get a straight answer out of anyone. Like oh, they like oh, they did these dresses. Like okay, well, yeah. So I guess know? that was the. Yeah, like something that... I mean, 
I think the dresses she hand sewed and things like that. But I mean, all I can say is that, yeah, I definitely bought a, a jacket. It had mm. tag on it. It had the whole shebang. It was bright pink and it had a little black pinstripe on it. And yeah, like it was on the sale rack at Boardhouse, which I was so hyped to find. Yeah. Like, save up my money to get it. Boardhouse where um, Green Toad is now? Yeah. No, I think it was up the hill. But oh, or right. maybe not. Yeah. Oh, it might have been up the hill by then, actually. I feel actually. like it was yeah. just freshly up there. Because they moved because of the floods in 99. Right, bingo. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Susie Parker, Joe, Cedar was a really good rider back then. Oh, Haiti was, she was ripping. Oh. Haiti May. Haiti May. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I think she might yeah. have been like in the instructors then, but I remember seeing her and going mm. like, wow, she's, yeah. And Cedar, that's a name that I heard in a little bit of name. Yeah. Like, she was. She was good. Yeah. Like, I, well, I think. I remember her jibbing rails and things back then kind of thing. Mm. Like, yeah, I remember she had really good style as well. She was a North Islander as well. So when I was in Aukone, I remember hearing about Abby. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember hearing about this girl who was a really good skateboarder and she was a really good snowboarder. And mm. I don't know if we our paths ever crossed, but I remember hearing about this girl who was ripping and knowing mm. that her name was Abby. So that was that's kind of rad. And I think Cedar might have been up north a little bit too around that time. Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, I remember her down uh, Cedar down in Wanaka in yeah. the early two thousands. Yeah, like yeah, she was definitely. running around with Jar and Mitch. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. That. After doing a season in Wanaka, I kind of um, as much as I wanted to come back down, I was I needed to make some money. So especially because I so like I went to the states when I was. I turned 18 10 days before I went over there, mm. which back then, like, well, I guess it's still the case now, but yeah, you can't drink and you're 21 is drinking, <laughs> 21 is gambling. Like mm. I turned, actually they dropped the drinking age on the 1st of November, 1st of December to 18. And then I left on the 9th of December. So I had nine days of being legal and then we went to the States. So mm. I was pretty green and I just spent, I, like, I just spent so much money over there. Mm. and i mean we were paid seven dollars an hour the exchange rate was something like 40 cents so yeah. i know i i think i had like two grand new zealand and i got over there and it was seven hundred dollars yeah. and like so we got seven dollars an hour like it was yeah pretty hard was that back at mammoth yeah, yeah yeah so basically i had um when i got back from there i had a bit of a debt with my parents <laughs> oh, okay so i spent a year um yeah, working basically. So I think back I had, up in Tapaki, yeah, or? yeah, yeah, back up in uh, in the mountain Tauranga. Yeah, I worked up there, worked in retail still, and yeah, tried to get some cash together so that. And then I'd come, I came down for like during the season and did a couple of weeks down here. So basically, just tried to do real pay who and yeah, try and get some money together and and get back <laughs> in the green. Mm. And then. Um, I always wanted to continue studying so I basically sort of kept working and then decided to study photography and so I chose to do photography at um, CPIT which is obviously the closest to Mount Hart. Oh Canterbury. Yeah 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 yeah. so Christchurch yeah yeah so that (laughs) that was my main driving decision on what photography school Mm. to study at right was uh, which one I could keep snowboarding. So this was what 2002 or 2003 or something? Yeah thereabouts yeah I'm a bit a bit like gray on the numbers exactly but yeah so that was a two-year course Mm. 
Mm. So moved to Christchurch, um, met some amazing Liz's from there, met some cool people. And Was Christchurch at that time seemed to be almost the industry hub. Yeah, I like, would say so. Like we had higher ground was yeah, there, and yeah. all these other. We had big shops. We had Euphoria, and, which was mm. you know I ended up working for Euphoria. We had Cheapskates, Quest, Euphoria, and they were all big shops. Mm. This is obviously pre-internet, and you know Euphoria had a couple of stores, and we yeah it was it was a big thriving industry. Holy shit, Euphoria! Did you work with Jamin, Jamin Beatty? Yeah. Yeah. Holy yeah. fuck! Because he yeah. worked in ticket office in Cadrona in two thousand one. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. yeah I didn't. Yeah, that, so that's yeah. how I knew him originally. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I remember yeah. my friend who I was riding with back then, like Chris mm-hmm. Urquhart. I was just coming down from a North Island trip in two thousand and two. He picked me up in the ferry, and then we ended up cruising down. Mm-hmm. And um, he needed to buy a board. We went into Euphoria. Right, yeah. And, and we're like, fucking Jamin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah no. What do we need to buy, Jamin? <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 I mean, those were fun days, like, with, as far as, you know, like, they must, Euphoria would have 50 boards, for, mm. you know, like, big, big money, big trading, big, you know, everything. And the, the three stores would all kind of see me compete against each other, trying to get mm. what they could. And, like, it was, yeah. It was a good time to be. It was be, almost yeah. the golden era of retail, right? Yeah, like, yeah, it is. It's a hundred percent golden era of retail mm. before the internet kicked in. And, and also how each one of those shops had their own culture too. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and a yeah. lot of like yeah, great humans have come from them and worked in them and and sort of yeah, mm. yeah. And so that's kind of how I got my community, and you know went snowboarding from there. Like yeah, so a lot of hut and porters. Just hut, yeah, hut. yeah. I didn't, yeah, I didn't get to any of the clubbies, but you got to remember, I had a Toyota Corolla, ah, nineteen ninety eight. It went a lot of places, through a lot of snowstorms, but it probably was pushing it. Mm. Um, but we did also used to mission down here a lot. Like we'd leave on a Friday after you know I'd finished tech early and hit the road on a Friday, drive down here, drive straight to Paddy's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Didn't know where we were going to stay. <laughs> Go straight to Paddy's and then figure the rest out from there, and then come home on a Sunday, which kind of blows my mind now when I do that drive because it's almost five hours. Like it's it's big big drive. It's a big drive. Yeah. Things that you do in your early twenties that you're like, yeah. oh whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, yeah. Nights at Paddy's was one of them. Yeah, <laughs> right. That, well, it was so funny back in those times where the Cadrona office was opposite Paddy's. Right, yes, and, in that little spot. And the eh? vans would all pull up and drop everyone off outside Paddy's. <laughs> and just... so payday, all the vans would just stop. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. Straight across the road. Yeah, I, I, mean, I remember that Paddy guy saying he hated winter, but he loved the paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's obviously yeah, the payoff for everyone, isn't it? Mm. That's the attitude you're going to have. Mm. I mean, you'll probably find that there's people in Queenstown right now saying the exact same thing. Mm. Like, yeah, ugh, this is full on, but we've got to do it to get the cash. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did like how Patty's they had, like, live bands and yes. shit. And yeah. I've seen a lot of great bands yeah. there. Yeah. That was fucking and cool. And by that point, like, Kingsway was gone. I remember Kingsway yeah. from 2001. Fucking sardine can that place, yeah, eh? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And, like, so I don't know if there was many other pubs that we went to. Well, there was Kingsway. Oh, Barrows was gone. Yeah. Um, Shooters didn't start up till, like, 02. Because no. I think yeah. Emma and, was one of the first yeah. staff working. Yeah, and then working. Red Rock. 
Red Rock was uh, back in 2001 it was called Defunk oh yeah it was but I don't even think there was DJ. a bar there I remember just going there there was a DJ yeah. it was like I don't even think you could buy a drink there D-A-F-U-N-K yeah, yeah. Defunk and um <laughs> that might have been it mm. Patties yeah yeah because uh, it's now it's an outdoor shop yeah. Yeah, that and tripped me out the other day. I was, I was like, oh, hang on. I was in there, and I was standing where the stage used to be. I was like, fuck, this is where, like, the Bleeders and Deja Voodoo were playing. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and Somerset and yeah. all that shit. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yes. Yeah, so, study photography mm. in Christchurch, um, and that was... I'd always had this grand idea that I love snowboarding, I love photography. Oh. So if I did the two of them together, that would be the perfect career, perfect life, like win-win yeah. as a job. So um, first year of photography is professional photography, so you learn a lot of the basics that can, which is good, a lot of skills that you could just walk out and get a job. Mm. And then second year, you can really choose but what you focus are on. Are they setting you up, when you say these photography skills, is that setting you up more for like an industrial photographer or Yeah, it's kind of setting you up or... so you could finish the course and you could get paid. Right. So we did different things like sort of journalism and documentary, but we also did headshots, you know, and, and studio and like, so you learned kind of every facet of that of photography. Mm. And it was good because if I needed money, yeah, I could do some headshots for somebody. Mm. So it had a real uh, professional focus, yeah. which I purposely chose that over art school because art school was amazing. But like I say, you can fluff your way through a lot yeah. and not necessarily come out with skills. Whereas with this, I knew I'd actually come out with, you know, if I needed to find and wrangle up some money, I could shoot weddings and I yeah. could shoot, you know, like whatever that needed to be done, I could do it. So that was cool. But then by the second year, you get to choose what you focus on. Um, so that's when I really like kicked in. I mean, whenever, wherever I could, I used snowboarding. So we had a fashion module that we had to do. So of course I did outerwear. <laughs> And so then I used to do, I did a lot for Euphoria, like um, I'd shoot all of their outerwear catalogs and shoot hmm. all the, the jackets that came in and then clear cut them all and then paste them all together. And so I did quite a bit of stuff with Euphoria and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, but then it all became about snow. So um, so imagine there'd be a whole lot with snowboard photography that they wouldn't teach you. Like oh, totally. Like dealing with the elements yeah. and yeah. all yeah. that sort of carry So on. we did a sports module, um, you know, where... We had to go out and shoot sports, mm. and that's the closest that it got. Really, just talking about having, a, say, a fast shutter speed and, yeah, dealing with mm. lighting. Yeah, but, but as far as specific on snow stuff, no. So at that point, the only place I learnt was from magazines. Because mm. back then, like anything outside of our culture, would have been like guy in the sky shots. Yeah, hundred percent. Guy in the sky all the way. Yeah. Yeah. Front page of the newspaper. Guy yeah. in the sky. With yeah. no grab. <laughs> No, yeah. no idea where he's going, no idea where he's been. Yeah. Yes, so... Still goes on now. And I guess, I mean, internet was starting to come around. I don't know if you... Do you know about the Border Zone Forum? No, like, I I didn't spend a lot of time behind computers. Yeah, so that was floating around back then. The right. bo- yeah, Border Zone, yeah. Yeah, so that so was like was an that? online forum. So kind of like the Slack forums, but oh, yeah. this is in, you know, in, what year are we? 2002-ish at this point? Yeah, right. Yeah, so there was a, it was kind of like that kind of vibe. So internet was floating about, but at that point, the, yeah, like I said, the only way I could learn was basically from looking at mags. Mm. So I had a real obsession with print and still do and an obsession with books. So 
I created for my like my major projects that so you could choose what you choose mm. to do for those major projects and that's when I created like um, yeah the, I made a couple of books as my finished project which was all about documenting the subculture of snowboarding mm. so because what magazines were you looking at for so, inspiration there's NZ Snowboarder Manual Magazine and then Transworld and Snowboarder right and yeah. within those names you just mentioned like there was not you're talking about sort of the culture side of things yeah from what i can tell it was only really manual that was doing that yeah was yeah manual's right? approach was probably much more about yeah encompassing um yeah, yeah showing showing the fringes of the culture so as well and also the, if you talk about culture in the way where they had music you know mm. in the mag and they interviewed artists and so yeah having that broader approach so did the desire to document the culture come from seeing manual or the lack of culture being shown in publications? I think it was just my kind of, that's just, it came a lot driven by me and from, partially from me and then partially from the need of having to quantify like when you're in, in photography school, art school, you've got to explain why you're doing it. I couldn't just mm. be like, I'm going to go take photos of snowboarders. I had to have a bigger reason, and that's mm. kind of where I got into it. And then I looked at other photographers like Ari Makopoulos. He's an amazing sort of skate snow photographer, and he, he shoots very little action. It's all mm. about the behind the scenes. So it's just sort of developed as my mm. interest. And it came from a really genuine place, like... So was there any photographers in, say, New Zealand that you were able to get some inspiration from or anything that you've seen printed? I mean, nothing sticks out hugely at that point. Um, It's only further down the track when I sort of got to meet people and have mentors. Oh, right. So you were sort of on the outside looking in? Yeah, very much so. So I just started taking photos of, of events and rail jams because that was really... I mean... I'm very grateful to my friends like Liz and Jane and Holly. Like, they let me take photos of them all day long. Mm. <laughs> I look back now and I'm like, man, thank you. Because, like, yeah, I was always taking photographs of everything we were doing because it was all about showing everything, the effort that it goes into. Like, mm. you know, you don't just... I mean, skateboarding, you step on a skateboard and you're skateboarding. Snowboarding, there is, you know, the car, there's the the chains there's getting out the mountain there's the weather like there's so much that actually goes into even getting on the mountain in the first before place before you even yeah strap in yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. i guess coming from like those first few years of snowboarding so i knew that there was a i knew that there was always this perception that we're snow bums hmm. you know like we were we were kind of low lights we were kind of snow bums we were up to nothing oh, no, we were on the doll system yeah, yeah, we were, like, ripping the system off because half the time we are on the dole, we weren't working, you know, like, mm. so I was really aware of that as a, as a attitude, and when I started watching and going to shoot the events, I was like, like, these guys are just, like, they're not that, like, this is hard what they're doing, like, especially rail jams and big ears mm. in those early 2000s. There's a lot of skill and athleticism that people don't associate with. Yeah. That. And a huge amount of danger. Mm. Like, these things were built on rugged, mm. you know, they were built in a day on mm. plywood but stuck together, scaffolding, well, like, I snow f- that's shoveled in. Like, these weren't, you know... I feel like we were doing our best to not look like athletes back then, too. I suppose so. Because I took a lot of pride in not being a job. I suppose there was an anti-athlete kind you know, of vibe. Like, mm. uh, even though there is a lot of athleticism and... Yeah. 
skill involved in that. I just remember being stoked that, you know, like, I'm not a rugby player, I'm not a jock. Yeah. And yeah. I'll make it. <laughs> yeah, 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 I agree so, with you. And I, and I don't think I was the only one them. Yeah. either. Yeah. Which probably didn't help our case with that stuff that you mentioned there. No, but, but I mean, but, we didn't have to, yeah, mm. this was, yeah. Yeah, we didn't have um, to prove everybody wrong, but it was but, just kind of the angle. So was that a relatively painless way to get into shooting snowboard photography, was taking pictures of events? Yeah, like all I'd do is, um, like you got to put, I'd email, like with the mm. gifted big air, and think, I emailed them, was like, hey, can I have a, you know, get media passes, which allows you to go everywhere with, mm. the, you know, with everybody else. So I started doing that uh yeah just asking for media passes basically Mm. and i'd say i'd give them some photos in return and it was painless in the sense i didn't have to talk i didn't have to meet a writer i didn't have to arrange anything yes you didn't have a relationship with the writers no no because it's an event so Mm. and then it worked for me because i could document the entire event as well which is kind of what i was interested in showing those different facets of of the whole thing so kind of worked in two ways so Mm. it was yeah it was a kind of my best way in because I still don't know writers. I don't know anyone, mm. you know, I mean, I know my friends and they luckily got all their photos. <laughs> and if you're anything like me, I'd have been too scared to approach these people I looked up to. Yeah. Because they're like, yeah, yeah, know, it's hard. It's intimidating you know, for sure. And, yeah. yeah. And then what mood are they in on that day? And, yeah. Yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. So I guess I just kept shooting events for quite, quite a long time, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, and so I, I remember maybe seeing pictures with your name on them and a few manuals. Yeah, yeah. So Was that your first published NZ shot? Snowboarder was my first published oh, shot. Really? Yeah, and that was actually in the photo annual, uh, which was in 2005. Oh, right. And they were from, like, so the first book I made in photography school, I made two books, the second book I made, which was, again, all about the same thing, documented culture. There's shots from the gifted Big Air, and there's kind of shots. There's a shot of Hannah Beeman about to drop in, and there's a shot of Nick Hine, sweat pouring down his face. And so there were, yeah, those background images that actually showed mm. what I was trying to talk about, which is the work that goes into it. Like, the, the drop-in at that gifted Big Air thing was just planks mm. of wood when they dropped in and there was a gap like it was it's gnarly and that yeah. was what i was really like because i'm up there on this wonky scaffolding with them and i'm like this isn't like for the average human and it's not just mm. ski bumps like there's so much more to this like they are literally risking their lives on this mm. and Heath's story sort of yeah. backs that one up 100 yeah. percent. yeah like, i was there like i took photos of him because part of what i was trying to do was show all sides of Jesus, it Jesus. so like what was your thought when you seen him go down oh it was like, just like ugh. yeah sick yeah. to the stomach basically and it's really hard so like you know we do this journalism module in photography school which is you know, really all about getting in the face. And one of the girls that was in the course, she always wanted to work for, like, the New Zealand Herald. And she wanted, like, when you work for the New Zealand Herald, you get the call, there's been a car crash, and you mm. jump in your, and you go, and you're in there, and you're taking photos of everything. Mm. And transfer that to say what happened with Heath, like, it was hard. Like, I wanted to try, I, I did shoot from afar and got nothing, you know, up close, but you, you can see, you've seen the photos, it's just mm. the ambulance and him kind of being carried. But... For me, that was as kind of close so as I could get to it. I guess there's a conflict too, right? It's like you want to be a human as well and yes, not respectful and, and yeah, 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 yeah. But like, so it takes a certain kind of person to be able to really get in on those 
that yeah. those photos like to be able to forget everything and just be worried about getting the photo and you know that's when you start talking about wall photographers which yeah. is just you know that's a whole other <laughs> whole other thing. thing yeah yeah and um so yeah, New Zealand Snowboarder was my so first. So did they approach you or you approach New Zealand Snowboarder about getting published? Um, you just start submitting photos. I Fine. can't actually remember uh, it precisely if I met Phil before. I don't think I did. I think working in the retail stores helped, but it was just a matter... By that point, we had email. Hmm. And, oh, unless we were physically sending slides in, those are filmed. So I might have phys- physically... Or maybe I emailed scans. Um yeah that's a good question but um i remember you just got hold of his contact basically right it might have been in the front of the map because he was kind of the guy oh that really, guy wasn't he? so i remember uh, a guy that um i was kicking around with andreas yes yeah um he was a keen photographer and mm-hmm. shooting um what we thought were really good photos and he'd sent them all the way to new zealand snowwater and, and nothing got through just got sent back yeah <laughs> we're like yeah. whoa yeah oh that's uh yeah and to us we're like fuck that's unattainable and, <laughs> you know yeah and that's where um, like you sort of start talking about the gatekeeper role like mm. um phil was the gatekeeper and david reed was kind of and johnny mack a little bit it was the gatekeeper of manual and mm. it it's it's quite crazy yeah to have all of yeah your everything just ride on on these sort of two people mm. basically deciding whether they do or don't want to print your photo and it's quite a dangerous thing like i um a lot of it you don't realize until afterwards but like i made the mistake of so getting my first photos published was amazing mm. so i got new zealand snow water and then manual and then like you know it was and in my head you know my goal was basically just to get published i hadn't mm. actually thought much further than that which is mm. also a bit of a mistake and but yeah after getting published then it's like your worth almost as a photographer starts to rely on what you do and don't get published right and that's like a dangerous hole that i fell into because Mm. if it was a good month or a good quarterly they came out and i got a bunch of images you know you're freaking pumped and it's awesome but then it's a different issue and for whatever reason you don't get many photos published or you don't even get one then your whole like my confidence in my photography really dropped off in the end because and, i wasn't getting as but many there's so many factors relying so on many that, factors right? like, oh yeah. we want this writer or this mm-hmm. is what we're looking mm-hmm. for this season mm-hmm. yeah it's so, like, like i mean there's the factors of just getting on the mountain in the first place like very little of it would be personal very little would it? yeah yeah which is where yeah my putting my worth based on that wasn't the smartest of ideas mm. i mean you don't even realize you're doing it yeah but um yeah you've got like first of all like you know there might have been 10 of us submitting the same rider and so, uh, you know, we've all shot with this one person and, yeah, they're ripping, but they've already got three good photos of him and they don't want any more. Yeah. So there's that. There's just, like, there's the whether or not. So there's a whole thing about whether it's in resort or out resort. Like, mm. the be-all is to be out of the resort and be in the backcountry. So, so if it's in resort, it'd have to be something very creative, yeah. would it? Yeah, it has to so. either not look like it's in the resort or really creative. Yeah. Mm. So that put me at a disadvantage because at that point I'd still, um, I'd cut my teeth shooting events and that was what I knew how to do. 
uh, and then trying to the next step after like sort of you know doing that because I, I did the events and the mags would print them so like I could always shoot the burn open for manual mm. and they'd always we'd do a feature on that and I ended up um, sort of a yeah sideline but I ended up doing a lot of writing mm. yeah so I was just going to say like encouraging you to go out of resort that's quite dangerous too like there's yeah. a whole avalanche yeah. thing and yeah so like i and... i went and did a like the level one avi course mm. at tc i went and did that and then i mean even if you pull it right back i had to know riders mm. and that in itself was hard to do especially as a woman like trying to get to a guy so what something I focused a lot on was everyone shoots their peers, right? Mm. So I so first of all I tried to shoot women snowboarding because I wanted to promote it as much as possible and highlight it. But there was a limitation to where I could get that and how many images they. Who were the girls you were shooting back then? So uh, like Abby and um, <coughs> Abby and Shelley and Ju did a few bits. Oh, so of they um, was this when they all had. A good name yeah already yeah so yeah and well i was helping like i did one article with manual which was five different writers maria kuzma was one ah, yeah I've, i have that issue oh, yes seven. yeah yeah, yeah. Haley, hey Jude, ladies yeah Abby, yeah maria yeah shelly yeah so that yeah. was a big deal for me like mm. trying to get you know it was a proper article and uh, you know i wrote it i interviewed everyone and tried to, i got most of the photos not all of them mm. did a lot of portraits with them as well but like yeah that was that was mm. huge to try and get that in the mags because the yeah you still weren't seeing women in the magazine pages on a regular basis or one or two basically yeah yeah, yeah but a little, like, sort of very few features yeah sort of thing yeah yeah yeah. yeah, they're still, like, just at the end or, yeah, sort of mm. just one or two just sitting in there. So um, that was really important to me. And, and like, it was kind of cool a bit later on in the, with um, Rebecca, he organised a, a, had a feature on nzsnowboard.com, which was sponsored by Burden. So each month we went and did a different thing with a bunch of girls, which I could shoot as well. So, oh, yeah, that was, that was a cool... So what was... Um... What's an example of the things you did? Um, we got a super long... Was there a seven-metre box at Cadrona? I can't... Oh, there might have been. Yeah, there, it was really long. Right. And so um, the cat drivers, or Eddie, who was working up there at the time, mm. we got up really early one morning. It was kind of on the... Is it Queenstown Return? It was kind of down the mm. back there. So we put it... Yeah, got up really early one morning, and everyone got rode the cat up. And yeah, jump, jump, and so I just shot. Yeah, we mucked around on the box and tried to get different photos and things like that. That oh, was right. that was the one I can remember the most of. I can't remember all of them. I might have done a, like a girls' focus Burton open article, and oh, I did tip tri- uh, trick tips. Oh, so yeah. I did a trick tip with Kendall and a trick tip with Abby. Um, so yeah, just kind of female oriented content basically. Mm. That was really cool. Yeah, it was called the Burton Girls Zone. Mm. So was there many other girls taking pictures, like Karen, Dennis, and yeah. Anna Barry would have been kicking around at the time? Yep, they were both around, mm. um, and uh, Annika used to take some photos oh, yeah. too, yeah. and um, so kind of, I mean, when you think about it compared to now, there's probably more of us, definitely, mm. but it was, um, they were kind of, yeah, I, I was... Probably, well, I was probably the most focused on trying to like actually make it in my living, 
yeah. and trying to do it. Uh, whereas they would kind of do it as a sideline gig and yeah, not not deducing what they do in any way, shape, or form because mm. they were really good. I mean, Anna Barry got a cover of Manual with yeah, Rich Hunt, yeah. so like, yeah. And Karen got some rad shots yeah. and Dill yeah. and Marcus. She's got and... awesome stuff. So like, hmm. yeah. So that that was kind of cool and. Like, we tried to support each other as much as possible, but also it's a similar thing, which, uh, like, it's, uh, like, <laughs> I think, well, Tim mentioned it, that, like, you know, you got $100 for a full-size photo mm. in the Mac, so, like... So that's, like, full A4. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Yeah, just, yeah. yeah. But, like, if you can imagine, like, there's like so if I'm trying to do it for my career I have to get as much as I can in a mag and mm. so it's hard to get really uh close with another photographer because when you're both trying to wrangling for the same thing so there's mm. a small level of kind of competitiveness there especially when you've got limited resources you've got the same set of riders you've got the same set of terrain or sort of thing you know like mm. it gets hard to like all band together in one big community in 90 days of operational winter as well yeah yeah know, and manual comes out three times a year they only do one winter issue new zealand snowboarder was three it was three a times a year yeah yep. yeah so like from a financial point of view like if i had done the numbers when i was in photography school <laughs> i'd be like mm. yeah yeah <laughs> like and that's so the writing thing was kind of a really good supplement for that so i would write mm. i got paid per word so being able to write stories as well as supply the photos kind of helps balance does that out art too. count as a word yeah so yeah it does yeah. <laughs> can i write art so many times though there's a lot of punctuation in this article <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, so where was that tangent going? Uh, writing to supplement. Yeah. Yeah, and we're talking about what other female photographers and, that were around. Yeah. 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 And then. So, but did that sort of, say, Annika and Karen, and did that give you almost some inspiration to, like, cool, I'm not the only one? Yeah. Yeah, that like... was definitely rad. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, and. Yeah, no, it definitely was. It was cool to not be the only one out there doing it. Mm. But I was still faced with those same challenges where, um, like, it kind of was one step harder for me to get to male riders. Mm. Like, being a female that they don't really know, I had to try and get to know them first yeah. before I could even try and get them to trust me to even go out riding or try yeah. and shoot a photo. Um, so that created kind of extra hurdles in that way. Like, mm. uh, whereas, you know, yeah, it's easy to do it if you grow up with the person or, the, you know, you live with them or whatever. And, like, yeah, it, it just was that one step harder to try and get to yeah. those. Yeah, I guess the relate like we're talking off mic about the relationships. Like, you know, with the Deros, you know, that Vaughn and yeah. Tim were yeah. getting rowdy with them the night before and yeah. they were all friends, they yeah. knew, you know. And, yeah, and so like so it's a bit of a different dynamic than if I need if I want to try and yeah I have to try and work my way into a friendship group first before mm. I can even try and be like hey take some let's take some photos mm. like it's a lot to just rock up and be like hi I'm a photographer I want to take a photo so like, you know like you need and then you also sort of need to build your reputation as well so it's sort of a catch twenty two because you could go with the upcomings but then that's a gamble going with upcoming yep. riders too right mm-hmm. yeah so the mags. They pick, you know, they knew who they wanted photos of. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, you might be able to get, was it a sweet as? Is that what the one? Um, manual was good as yeah. and 
fast forward with New Zealand yeah. snowboard. Yeah, so like yeah. you might be able to get those mm. um, with your up and comers. It was cool working with up and comers because they had um, the enthusiasm. Mm. So I ended up working with quite a few of the young riders, like like Joram and Connor and like oh, yeah. uh, Ben Simmon and like yeah. So and they'd be quite. They were fun to work with because they had a good. Um, they were enthusiastic and they had creativity and they had ideas and you know we could go and I do. Mean, Joram and Connor. I mean, you want to talk about good, solid riders? Yeah. Right. I mean, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Those two. Yeah, legend. Yeah. And they were yeah. both kind of on the up then. And Steffi mm. was around too. And Yeah, I mean, shit, and say no more. Like, yeah. Look like where she's gone now. Yeah, it's know, amazing, like, eh? Yeah. I might have shot her good as. I don't know. I have to ask her. Yeah, I can't remember now. Anyway. Mm. But it had lots to do with her. Um, yeah, so it it's like just getting, getting a photo. It's just, it, yeah, there's so much that goes into it. Like, and there's so as, many. As far as sort of work ethic involved or? Yeah, well, just, yeah, like, you just, I, you've got to, first you've got to build a relationship with a rider. You've got to convince them to go out. Then you've got to find a spot to go that hasn't been shot, that hasn't mm. been, you know. So is that up to the rider or the photographer? Either way. Yeah. Yeah, like, if you're, like, like Johnny would have really, Johnny Mac, he's, he'd have really specific ideas and, and shots that he'd want to get from mm. places that he'd been and scoped out so he'd almost like the spot and be like that's a Ferg spot yeah, that's yeah, a very much. spot yeah, yeah. yeah and he'd be able to go yeah this is the writer I kind of want to hit this right. yeah um, or you kind of just go out on an adventure together or if it's you know yeah it just sort of depends on what, what pans out right. but because I was really into the documentary style that was kind of tricky too because I mm. kind of wasn't necessarily always initiating that so especially if you're taking pictures of the things in between the stunts, they yes. might not understand where yeah. you're coming from. Yeah. Like, get that fucking thing out of my face. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I did, yeah, so I didn't do that all the time. Um, mm. So, yeah, but all of this kind of culminated in having such a background in shooting events. I started shooting the Burden Open, um, and mm. then I it all kind of culminated in the yearbook, so the Snow Park yearbook. Mm. I... Um, from my obsession with books and having made them in photography school, I kind of, I started writing Snow Park. I, I, you know what, I do remember, my first day at Snow Park, I was like too intimidated to get out of the car. Like I was freaked out. I can see why. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Like we pulled up there and we were just like, we'd been riding hard, like we didn't ride park and we were like, whoa, man, like mm. it was really intimidating. the best in the world are there half the time. Yeah. And like, I've got to drop him behind that guy. Yeah. Like, and then I got to know a few of the crew, like Mish and Jesse Brody and Tal Brody oh. and Mad Dog, and I got to know a few people there, and then that softened it hugely. Mish O'Neill was such a GC. Yeah, still is. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Mish. You're still a GC. I just haven't seen you in a long time. One of the, she was always the most welcoming person when you yeah. would go over there. Yeah, she was I'd amazing. get a lot of shit for being a Cadrona employee when yeah. I'd go over there. Yeah. She'd always be the one, be like, "What's up?" Yeah, so her, yeah. her and Jess worked in uh, the ticket office. Mm. They kind of and taught as well. Oh yeah, taught, yeah, yeah. And so they like would yeah organize all the tickets and all that. And they would often do you know do you remember the stamps with all the different smart ass yeah, shit yeah, yeah which I've got a collage of in the in the yearbook here somewhere. You can actually like yeah see a bunch of them. So I from what I remember, I approached Claire and a uh, slushy washy. 
Hairy Mutt. <laughs> Middle Earth. White Album. Wanna, yeah. yeah. Wanna, White, oh, that one's funny. White's Legal. So that's Sean's birthday. Sean White's birthday. Wanna Bonk. Yeah. Holy, Holy Moly. Moly. Bits oh, 686. Yeah. Glamopus. Helms Deep. So that's all to do with oh, the Oh, they the had Rings. a lot of fun at Snow Park, didn't they? Yeah, they had so much fun. <laughs> I want to know who put Hairy Mutt on there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Michelle Rowe. Maybe Tortle No. Uh, tell us in the comments yeah. if... Uh, when once this comes out there crew yeah <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah so this is <laughs> i just haven't heard that word in a long time yeah, i suppose it's, it's underused isn't it <laughs> oh god i mean who, i mean whoever came up with that word in the first place yeah. so thank you <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, we're dangerous close to having that kind moment here. Yeah, right. Sorry. It's alright. It's a good time. <laughs> oh, sorry, snow park. An intimidating place to ride if you didn't ride park. Yeah. Which For I, sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Um So So did you get involved with photography for the for that? For, for snow the place, park. for snow park and stuff. Or? I think I started shooting events there. Um, and then I, as I remember, I approached them with the idea of the yearbook. Because mm. I knew that each year they made um, they made either a hoodie or a t-shirt. They did a give back system to, this, to their pass riders, yeah. their season pass holders. So I knew that they did that. So I approached them with the idea of making a yearbook. So like the, you know, high school yearbook that documented that each season's worth of, yeah, shenanigans, basically. Mm. So, yeah, I hit them up and said, this is my idea. Do you want to do it? This is when Claire was there and she was super into the idea. And so I got like uh, a season's pass and kind of stuff, discount and all that kind of thing. And then um, just started shooting the whole thing. Mm. And plus, as you say at the beginning, like there is the history. So we went back for the few, um, yeah, like back for, could it start in what, 2002? Mm. Yeah. So we went back through 2002, 2003. So there's like all these snapshots of it. And it's really early days, which is kind of amazing mm. when you look at it like that. Yeah. And um, and with the T-bar instead of the, the T-bar. T-bar, and... yeah. Yeah. Putting yeah. in their first snowmakers. There's a very young Will J working in the cafe. There's <laughs> yeah. a very young Manu. There's a very young Butters. Sean White's birthday cake, blowing out his birthday cake. <laughs> yeah, kind of amazing. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's how the idea was born, basically. Yeah. And so I had a friend, my friend Cam, he was a graphic designer, so he did all the design layout for it. And then I did... Um, yeah, so I just spent that entire season documenting as much as I could have went on at Snow Park. So I was basically an employee. Mm. I basically just fit in and, and shot all the events. Um, I think maybe a couple of the events, the skier events, I might have got somebody to contribute to. So, and was this yearbook before you got published in the mainstream th- magazine? Yeah, so I've been published in New, in New Zealand Snowboarder in 2005. Right. The yearbook yep. was 2006. Okay. And yep, then yep. Manuel saw the yearbook. I, I have um, a few, a couple of mutual friends with uh, David Reed and 
Um, mm. And so through them, they saw I mean, he saw that I'd produced this, and he asked me to send me um, his yeah. But like just looking contribute. through that yearbook, yeah, it leans itself more to the manual side of things. I guess so because like, I can see why he would have culture and documentary, it. yeah, yeah. And like I was, I'm not a trained writer. I just was like, I did this, every, all of this was done on a bootstrap. So I wrote everything in here. Mm. So immediately when I started working for manual, they started using me as a writer and a photographer. Mm. Um, that was my first photo in manual, which was Mason Aguirre, I think. Yeah. Um, which was huge. Like, yeah, it was cool. Like I remember waking up in the morning, the mag came out and I was over in Queenstown for some reason, possibly from a snow park party. <laughs> So they used to take the party bus over the Crown Range, mm. which is just trouble, and it would come back, but there was only 50% of the people. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, like me, waking up in Queenstown going, oh crap, <laughs> I'm not on the right side of the hill. But I remember Luke Gain ringing me and being like, how was you got in the mag? And it was kind of funny because everyone was like, and look, your name's in the front and you're listed first. It's done alphabetically. Mm. <laughs> but, but everyone was super pumped that, yeah, it was cool. It was a big deal getting getting a photo yeah. published, yeah. Oh, shit. That's, so you lived with Luke Gain back then? Yep, Luke Gain and Rach Harvey, oh, a couple so, of legends. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Luke Gain's probably the biggest frother out there. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, he was a huge supporter for, you know, like, always backing me for with my photography and, like, mm. huge encouragement in that way. Yeah. Which was, yeah. So was he running cheapskates back then? Him and Rach were, I think Rach was the yeah. manager and he was underneath and then right. Rach left. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Okay. I was basically a semi-employee there as well just because, yeah. I mean, I think at that time, so like, got to remember throughout all of this I'm working because there's no money in anything mm. that I'm doing. So were you doing the good room as well? Not yet. No. So that was just where, I was just working sideline gigs in retail. So, mm. so I remember at that time, every time I see you, would be like, five different part-time jobs yeah pretty much like sometimes i worked at oak ridge when it first opened and then Mm. i was working at sassy pants the lingerie store yeah it was in the in the mall oh yes like bra shop which was pretty hard case and yeah all over the show basically yeah Yeah, whatever i could so it was usually about three days a week to be able to pay rent and then that would buy me four days to basically be out trying to get photos if i could or writing and Rachel's back running bass now, I think. Yeah, she's... And Emma, too. Yeah, but yeah. You know, yeah no, total dream shit. team. Yeah, yeah. so they yeah. both run... They kind of run the whole online. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so they do That's an amazing job there. Almost got to be a full circle with those two. Yeah, yeah. To a degree, right? Yeah, oh, they probably didn't know each other as well. But, yeah, now they... Yeah, it's cool. It's great yeah. for me because I just come to town and go straight there. <laughs> be yeah, like, hi, yeah. guys. <laughs> um, yeah, so... From there, it just kind of flowed with manual. Mm. Um, and I got to meet Johnny Mac, and I got to meet David Reed, and they kind of claimed me as a manual contributor. Oh, yeah? Like, very much so, like... Um, but I, <laughs> That's a good thing, though, right? Well, yeah, like, I was yeah. pumped. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, like, yeah, so I sort of submitted a lot more to them than what I did to New Zealand Snowboarder, or it might be that I sent my photos first to them, and then whatever they didn't use, then I could try submit to NZ Snow. Like, mm. so, yeah, I kind of became part of that crew and sort of a regular contributor. Kind of makes sense. So, like, yeah, I mean, I consumed both of those magazines. Yeah. And New Zealand Snowboarder had its place, you know, the big, awesome. glossy yeah. totally. hammer shots. Yeah. But yeah. it was rad that you had this 
manual that had the artsy side of yeah. things. And, and very quickly, you know. they let, like I was able to pitch ideas from day one. Mm. And because, you know, just a keen bean. So like, yeah, very quickly I was saying, can we do this? Can we do that? And mm. I guess they hadn't had a lot of contributors that were like that. And then that also um, stretched over into interviewing artists as well. Uh, so, I mean, I guess that's sort of how the good room kind of fits in. Like, so one of my, yeah. So after working at the lingerie store, I got a job with native seed, which so like a it, store for boomers, isn't it? Nah, it, nah. Yeah. So it was in the alleyway where the good room was. Yeah. But remember, she made her own puffers. Do you no. Remember? You don't remember oh, well, that. It's not something that yeah. I would be looking for. So it was a, yeah, no. this girl was super talented and she had a little like kind of just a sort of New Zealand based store, but she made to order a puffer jackets. Wow. Like, yeah, it was pretty. And she'd sew them all and stuff. Like she'd sew, hand sew these things up wow. with amazing duck That's... down in them. Like it was kind of a whole little thing that, that went on for a few years. So she was looking for a part time of three days a week. So she employed me, which was awesome. But then like, Four weeks later, I find out that she sold the business. Uh, and so that was kind of crazy. And that's how... So then my I was like, what's going to happen with my job? So anyway, I get to meet the person who's bought it, and it's Jane. And so she is... Yeah, we kind of clicked, and um, she told me what she wanted to do with the store, which was to kind of turn it into more of a, you know, like, um, kind of fashion-based store. So... I was there from the get-go with that. I totally thought that you owned it. I did own it. Oh, right. Yeah, so I helped Jane create it, and, mm. like, uh, the two of us sort of created the good room. Like, I like I came out with the, the name, and she liked mm. it, and we did that. And so, basically, I think Jane had it for a year, and then she was just like... Uh, and so, during that time, that's we did start doing exhibitions as well. So, we mm. wanted to create a space that kind of was community. So, what, that was the niche of the good room was sort of carrying sort of brands that were a bit more low-key yeah and yeah um street and fashion based Mm. low-key but then at the same time like some of these brands are huge worldwide Mm. and there was sort of this like little sub-genre happening at the time of like yeah these kind of fashion this is when good as gold started in wellington um and and yeah there's kind of this whole little world of high high fashion kind of brands street brands kind of a mixture so and just finding cool shit that we liked basically and so we did that and then um we had our first exhibition Mm. which was uh laura shellgrass who is the yeah the artist that painted the plague snowboard yeah Yeah, so can't remember how we met i think she might have just come into the store and we got talking maybe and so yeah i would help organizing these whole exhibitions and uh, after a year or so, Jane was like, kind of wanted to move on to other things. And so I, yeah, scraped together and borrowed a bunch of money and bought the good room from her. Right. So then I had the good room and then was still doing the photography. So I had mm. staff so that I could work sort of three days a week, four days a week, and then do that in the other times. And then that's how, yeah, we started doing more of the exhibitions from mm. there as well. So um, I, I think the only one I went to was the Plague Snowboards one. Yeah, yeah. So I uh, probably must have met Nick through Laura, I'm guessing. Yeah. They actually, yeah, I think they all live together in Queenstown. So I got to be a bit mm. closer with the Queenstown crew as well. Um, and, yeah, so Laura and I became friends. And then I got to meet Nick, and I was like, this is cool. So what? it's, it's kind of funny. You can kind of document. If you read back through the manuals... 
you can see it all because it's like I met Laura and then we did an exhibition and then I we put her in the mag mm. and then we uh, all's well Mark Allsweiler so he's yep. one of the other guys with the other plague artist yeah yep. so I met him same thing did an interview with him put him in the mag yeah. and then of course plague Nick Kirkland same thing but Nick mm. and I got to be super good friends because he's a cool dude awesome dude eh? yeah like, hey I just seen him three weeks ago at the hill oh really ago. oh he cool was, had his kid Freddie red. Yeah, Snowboarding, because right, yeah. I, I was there with my niece, yeah. so we were both on the like mini kids oh, carpet, cool. and I didn't even recognise him. I should have because yeah. he was still got like studded grenade gloves, <laughs> and um, and I was there with my niece on the snowboard, yeah. you know. And then there was, was only one other guy. snowboarder, oh, right. and then it was like it was fucking next yeah. kid. Like, no way, oh, that's man. cool. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to see him. Um, I guess we kind of got to be good friends because we were both trying to do businesses. And mm. at that point, like, I guess we're 26, 27. There's, we're a little bit of an anomaly. Like, there wasn't that many of us that were kind of self-employed and trying to, to make something. And we were both kind of in that boat so we could try and bounce ideas off and try and figure it out because neither of us really knew what we were doing. We were just yeah. winging it. That's the whole key to everything, basically. Mm. Um, yeah, so we decided to do a play exhibition so that was we got all of the boards and put them on the wall and then we had fine art prints made from graphics that were on the boards oh right yeah so you could actually buy you know a print of laura's graphic right yeah and we kind of then sold those as part of it and like our exhibition opening nights kind of became pretty like they were big they were fun. That were, one was real fun. I remember, like, Nick was just buzzing because he could finally afford, he just bought a big press yes, for his boards. It came from the States. And he's like, I can now afford to give my team riders yeah. boards. It's like, wow, yeah. that's fucking cool. Yeah. And then we all went over to Paddy's, what yeah. was probably Scruffy Murphy's at the time. Yeah. And they had a band that played T-Rex songs or right. started out with T-Rex songs. Like, this is fucking sick, Yeah. Man. Yeah. yeah. Um... Yeah, the exhibitions just became big parties. Mm. And because there's sort of like this, I don't know if it's still the way, but you can kind of get away. You don't have to be licensed if you're having an art exhibition. So you can have free, you're not allowed to charge for alcohol, but you're allowed to have free alcohol at an art exhibition. It's Mm. like this kind of weird loophole in the licensing. So things would often, you know, these these were just parties that went all night long. And and then people just keep going and buying more and more and then ends up at the dance floor and Mm. loads of fun. (laughs) But, but yeah, I really, when I met people like all of these people I'm talking about, like they were all trying to do something and it was Mm. so cool to be able to promote them in the mag as well and try and give them that step. So I almost feel that that was the final era of, say, New Zealand snowboard culture of that people doing shit yeah yeah i the, could be the wrong, entire i don't have but, a name for that world that we were a part of mm. but from what i can see coming back now that world doesn't exist mm. like what i mean was, there's so much stuff like when you know i dug out that manual mag and i looked at it and i looked at the list of events for one season mm. you know and there was like 12 events like no i was busy i had an event to shoot every single weekend mm. and like they, they don't exist. Now it's, they were all grassroots events. Yeah. They were all events that anybody, there was no, you know, high performance 
they mm. wouldn't come near those events to be honest with you mm. like you look through that the yearbook it's billabong slope style you know it's um, peanut, peanut butter, butter rail jam yeah. it's uh there's a quarter pipe dvs quarter pipe competition like you know it's armageddon which was a king of the park which was quicksilver the option forefront thing yeah 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 like it was there was yeah i had busy seasons mm. just documenting events basically and and yeah. none of those events exist. And then, yeah, and even sort of take it back, like, who's making boards now? Like, there's maybe a couple of guys, but yeah. it's not on the level that it was. But then, is it the chicken and the egg? Like, I was actually talking with someone about this, about how, say, someone like Will yeah. and um, Abby, they did the competitions and then they left that to become media pros. Yeah. yeah. But now that there's no magazines... Yeah. Can you be a media pro? Well, that's uh, that's Does a huge it, question that I have as well. You know, like, like, that whole world doesn't doesn't exist. I mean, mm, unless you like Travis Rice or some shit, but yeah, I mean, I, don't I know. think so. That world, I think, still exists in the states. Yeah, yeah, you are able to to yeah function, but but I still think that most of them have come up through being comp riders and then they're mm. put out to pasture and they get to go and ride big mountain basically that seems to be the structure now but there yeah. is much more of a system like i listened to the guy ulti podcast with you with interest mm. about this kind of stuff and same with ed lee and i've talked to ed about it like you know there's there's this just there's such a gap and you know ed touched on how the olympics just sucks up all the money mm. but i think the other big thing that uh isn't acknowledged is the recession Mm. So, you know, I opened the Good Room in 2008 and 2009 we had a recession. Yeah. So, like, the timing was just the absolute worst. Mm. Like, so it was, yeah, the absolute worst. That's right. It really did feel like um, the end of the world was mm. upon us at yeah. some point there. But in my opinion, that was a huge, huge thing for the snow industry because you had so you know we had like, those names I listed off to you like Quicksilver SNS they were mm. all distributors and comp- so they had offices and teams in New Zealand mm. so all of our distributors like back then there was just like the money that was in the snow industry was phenomenal mm. like manual got flown down every year for the Burton Open yeah two guys were, were flown down for it like they were just one of many like mm. The money that was floating around the industry was just crazy. And like, now, yeah. Now you sort of mentioned distributors. Like most of them are based out of Australia. Bingo. So during yeah. the recession, they all shrunk back. So your mm. big guys like Billabong, Quicksilver, they all at Burden, they basically pulled all of their roots out of New Zealand, shrunk back to Australia. So all stock is shipped from there. Mm. So you can imagine that the, you know, so the marketing dollars doesn't even get landed in this side basically mm. whereas back then they had feet on the ground here and they were able to make and an effect it made pros out of yeah people or, well you know, so you like, you used to have like similar to skateboarding you had mm. a flow you had a shop rider you know mm. so like shops had enough money to be able to support a rider then you got put on flow with the distributors mm. which meant you know you were just getting free gear from the distributors they had enough room to be able to do that and then, if you're lucky, then you went up to the next step, which was actually connected directly with the brands or, mm. or whatever. But but there was a whole structure in place that, that actually allowed, you know, these different levels of riders to exist and try and keep going and keep progressing. Mm. That doesn't really exist anymore. No, and being an Instagram celebrity doesn't really have the same 
Well, yeah, Paul to it. No, yeah, I <laughs> yeah. guess you haven't. Yeah, but so, even so, yeah. I'd have to imagine that uh, even if there's like a, a this is not like just in New Zealand, if there's a good New Zealand writer that's great on Instagram, there's very few New Zealand distributors that are in a position to support mm. them as well. Like, like it's just it does fascinating how fascinate me how quickly the money dropped out of the industry because yeah. like you every single one of those events had an after party yeah every single one had a huge party with a whole bunch of money on the bar this would have been about the same time Red Bull drove a whole lot of riders from Queenstown yes up to yeah, Auckland, yeah, right? yeah yeah hundred percent you know, and didn't yeah. even flinch at doing that. Nah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, yeah the money in there is crazy mm. and even like working in a shop I could ring a distributor and get something free on most days mm. I could ring up and be like oh have you got any sample shoes you got any sample goggles like like there was just yeah so much more so it's a, mm. it's a combination of the internet changing mm. how sales were happening because I, I know that pre-internet everything sold mm. So much more than what, yeah. And then at the same time with the recession, you got all these distributors pulling out. And, you know, the guys on the ground here have very little decision-making, you know, like mm. they're not in a position to be able to say, hey, you're amazing, let's put you on. So, like, it can, I, there's, I just mm. think that had such a huge effect on the snow industry. Yeah. So you lost all those grassroots events. You lost all those multi-level support of these mm. different, you know, younger riders and smaller riders, etc. And you lost a whole career path. And so that's interesting on a few things there. Yeah. Because, like, we've got a couple of grassroots events, like, say, the mini pipe. Yeah. But yeah. no one really under- sees how much work and how much it costs Dogger to do it. Mm-hmm. And, um... Totally. But also, you just remind me then, because I've had JJ Raywood and Carlos Garcia Knight on yes, here. Yes, yeah. And I didn't really touch on being sponsored now, but yeah. remember they both sort of, they went down the Olympic pathway, because yeah. that was the only thing that they thought... Well, it's the only option for them now. And, and then when, once that ended, it's like, what the fuck do I do now? Bigger, yeah. And it seems almost like they just chew them out, yeah. instead of yeah. like keeping them around. Like, if you're you know, a young... I oh, know. I guess say fifteen-year-old rider right now. I mm. mean, obviously they're younger, but you're if you are just in love with it and you're doing well, and you like what your only career path is high performance. Mm. That is literally all you can do. Mm. Like, and this is kind of where we get onto this what I call this huge dead spot from the death of print. Yeah. So like, you know, previously it would be like if there's a good writer, there's a young 15-year-old kid who everyone's seeing and talking about him, then what do you do? You get him a good as, right? He, yes. Yeah, that's the first step, basically. Yeah. yeah, one of the photographers, one of us will hear about him, we'll see him, he's good, whatever, or her, Yeah. and we go, okay, cool, let's get her a shot, let's get her a good as for a start. There's your mm. first start. And then the local distributor might see them, and then, you know, and then, or I might know a distributor, and I can, you know, all the people mm. in the shops put an ear in someone. Like, this whole connection that used yeah. to be there, that it's not there so that person's only option is just to go straight into high performance and that's a really niche part of what we yeah. do yeah like it's and it's not, not all riders will even thrive in those conditions no. like competition riding is a very specific kind of riding well i think jj is a good example of that yeah like you look at him i mean he's away doing a building apprenticeship now and it's right. wrong he should have a signature everything bingo you know? yeah and his riding style is sort of more that the opposite of the competition riding. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, yeah, yeah. And same, uh, I think, Mitchie Davern, who's one of the current mm-hmm. guys now that we're all looking at. It's yeah. like, yeah, he's... So, yeah, well, yeah, so you have to look at how much that... Well, you don't have to, but I'm quite... I look at the effect that the magazines played in that 
pathway like you know mm. i've said already I'm, I'm a lover of print and i, and I miss the mags mm. and i think they le- it left not only yeah so part of this whole recession thing and these these um brands pulling out of new zealand also meant advertising dollars for magazines yeah, so mags right. don't make any money from the cover price the nine dollars fifty or the five dollars you're paying for the mag that's nothing to them and most of it goes to the distributor yeah. So what that the print the whole mag has to be paid for before it goes to print by the ads that are in that mag. So that first when you open up yeah. New Zealand Snowwater, yeah. that first double page Burton ad that yeah. you'd always see, that yeah. would have been Yeah, you need the that thing essential to roll it, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. So you always pay yeah. more for inside covers, mm. both front and back, but more for the front back front mm. inside cover. And yeah, like I think Burden always had that spot and that's what you want and you'd mm. rely on them having that spot. But um, yeah, so that money that was coming from those distributors as well, of course, as soon as the recession hit too, like that completely changed the game too. Yeah. So yeah, that all got pulled back to Australia and instead you've got, you know, like it was a hard hustle. And, like and that, then... Dave had to edit the mag, take the photos and then get on the phone and like be like hey you want to advertise this month you know like Mm. like and phil would have been the same like the mags aren't big enough to afford you know just a person on sales sometimes they did and sometimes like sometimes during time i think there was enough money in there but a lot of the time you're Mm. having to do the whole thing yourself and then there was that whole well you sort of mentioned the distributors like parallel importing was um, yeah that became quite an issue yeah 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 so with the birth of the internet with the parallel importing Mm. and that was huge as what caused burden to start yeah shipping us early product and all Mm. that kind of thing um so yes yeah, so much change in there just resulted in the death of print and i look at it now and it's left a hole in the history because i get so we have instagram mm. which is great there's some really cool sides to it because it means that someone can actually be seen and yeah. when you pull that background to my role as a photographer and then having having these gatekeepers you know, and I meet this cool kid and I've got these great photos, but for whatever reason they wouldn't want to put his or her mm. image in the mag this month, then I would actually have, I could turn around and put it on Instagram and be like, oh, cool, everyone look how great mm. this person is. So it would actually give, you know, and so like all of us as photographers, we've got just mountains of cool images that never got through. Mm. Like you've got this funnel system and the ones that get through are so little. And that that burnt me out at the end mm. like i lost i lost confidence and i lost a bit of so was it passion. hard when you put all this energy into yeah. a particular yeah. shot yeah and then <clears throat> nothing happens to it and it just sits in my computer you know and i've got 20,000 images in my computer and they're just sitting there and then and it's, yeah it starts to feel before just before it's not personal it's like totally so if it's a will just shut yeah. like well we've already got yeah, it's well, all these yeah. variables that we've talked about mm. that have to all align for you to get the shot. Mm. But you've put so much work, so much time, so much sacrifice from both parties, you and the writer, yeah. and then you've got no control. Yeah. So if we, so from the one point, Instagram's kind of great because I would have then been able to go on, oh, okay, not getting printed, put it up on the gram, and maybe I'd have some followers and other and I'll be able to tag the person, and there might be a you know a more of a mm. knock on effect. So at least it came to something. Yeah. But then the negative is also like we've talked about, about how you've got the mediocrity coming through. There's no editors. So these yeah. gatekeepers have There's this. Like vloggers. Yes. A couple of them, I've come across the American voice. 
Yeah. Claiming they're pro and shit, and yet anyone in Kadrona Park would wipe the floor with them. Yeah. That's, so that's where, like, you know, that's where so the role of the gatekeeper sorted. worked, right? Yeah. You know, because it actually gave us some, you know, someone but to weed out these people. It as would well. have also given you a standard to meet with your photography first or something to aim for. Uh, too, totally. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I spent a lot of time thinking I wasn't good enough to have my images, you know, published. Mm. Like, so you, yeah, like I say, you have a bar and then you, mm. you learn, like, once I started working for Manuel, both Johnny and Dave were, became mentors for me mm. and, you know, taught me and actually, like, created that environment, which was awesome. Mm. But, yeah, like, yeah, so whereas in Instagram you don't have a bar. Mm. You haven't got that level. Yeah, so it's 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 a tricky balance, basically. It I is, don't know what yeah. the answer is. Because at the same time, I know back in the day I was pretty anti the scene because like oh it's only the cool guys that are allowed you know yes. that was my take yeah, on things yeah, yeah. And, and there probably and, was an element to yeah, that but there was also my immaturity as well yeah like yeah. and yeah that sort of thing there was but, always like you know, it was an i was never there was always an openness to whoever i shot you know or whoever i've suggested there was always an openness to seeing what we could get and whether they mm. were good enough but they did have to be good enough there was yeah. definitely that yeah yeah but um, what this, yeah, this whole depth of print, like the other crazy thing is, yeah, from that history point of view is that, so we've got up to, I don't know, what's your last magazine from NZ Snowboarder? What? 216, I think. Right. Something around that time. Yeah. But so we've got up to 216 and then there's a gap till That's then. actually quite a while ago now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Earlier now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and these young kids, like... Well, not even just young kids. So people like Zoe and CGK and those kind of guys, they won't have really seen a nap mag. Like mm. they're not looking to a mag to find their bar. They're not looking, and think, they also don't know half of the. I think those guys like Zoe and Carlos. Yeah, they were featured in the tail end. Oh, okay, so sweet. Yeah, they're aware of it. I think yeah. it's the generation ones now. coming up now. Yeah, you know, like yeah. um, that's probably because they also grew up consuming New Zealand, you know, the yeah. magazines because, like, Will, yeah, who they yeah, looked yeah, at, yeah, was yeah, in yeah, it. Yeah, totally, yeah, yeah. So I think it's more, it's like... It's more the, the ones now that yeah, are just not seeing and, it. And they don't... Yeah, so they don't... There's so much that they're missing out on. There's so much mm, education that's not being mm, gained from it. I, I thought about this a bunch, and this might be an unpopular view with people... But, you know, yeah. it's not my first view that's unpopular. <laughs> but I was saying to someone, I swear that, and this is not pros, this is not sponsored writers, this is not park crew. Yeah. But your seasoners back in the mid to late 2000s had a higher writing style yeah. than the seasoners now. So are and there I'm, less seasoners now? I don't know, but I'm wondering if, like, the infamous, like... Yeah, we, if it's because had, they're not seeing, yeah. We had... yeah. What we were seeing, yeah, that was the standard. I mean, yeah, a, it's not a there printed magazine. Yeah, the magazines are giving you, you know, a standard. If you're doing your season, looking at some mediocre Instagram, yeah, yeah, you're like, I'm ripping. Kind of, and you're you like, know, mm. and like I said, I'm not talking about sponsored writers. No, I'm you're talking just talking about, about season yeah, season yeah. So I remember, like, but then it's like, yeah, it's, it's like, does it really matter? Like, so what you're saying is that there was a bar that was set, they created yeah, like, a bar, and yeah, but, but then at the same time. At least they're writing. So. Yeah, I mean that's the main thing. Yeah, but it, but it is it's it's relevant. No, it's just kind of. I remember like say a friend of mine, Steve Graham from yeah. Dunedin. Yeah. And he was a weekend warrior. Yeah. But he was doing cab nights over oh, right. the 
fucking 60 footer and yeah. you know all of these tricks and he wasn't even a sponsored guy yeah you know yeah. and I don't see you know like I work with a lot of seasoners yeah. and I don't see the is seasoners that, doing that and then is that also because of that high performance thing because mm. anyone who's slightly good is then funneled into the high performance coaching yeah. system and then they're not left just to enjoy riding and progress yeah. at their pace because there's nothing to keep them no progressing. No one seems to build kickers anymore out in the, yeah. the back. Yeah. Whereas yeah. that's all we lived for. Yeah, totally. You know? yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, AJ mentioned that to me. He's like, I yeah. reckon kicker building's lost out. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, right. You know? and no, then, but he's kind of yeah, right. he's not wrong. Yeah, like, yeah. And that's the kind of thing that we do to take a photo. Like, because mm. like I said to you, you wanted to get out of bounds as, as much as possible. So it would yeah. be like a crew of you go build a kicker in the spot. That's that done. Mm. And that was, yeah, your whole day of it. Whereas there's no drive to even accomplish that either. Because it doesn't really matter if you're on Instagram or if you're in bounds. Yeah. And there's yeah. no magazine that's going to buy it. Yeah. Or no. anything now. Yeah. Or... Or even company, like even yeah. There's no, did there's you no used billabong. To sell your photos yeah, to, to brands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. So that was a se- another way that we could make some income. But that wouldn't work the same now. Like selling it so they can put it on their Instagram. Yeah, they'd still or buy that it. A doable thing. Well, it must be know. to an extent. Yeah, yeah, if it's good enough. Yeah, but you have to look at the American industry to see what's kind of survived in in that way because. Mm. They, I mean, they just lost their print, their last print mag, which was snowboarder mm. snowboarder bought Transworld. yeah and it ran for a long time and then they've just lost that which has now become slush mag yeah uh, which they do do an annual print version mm. and then slush has the youtube and they do um uh their video magazines right yeah which is kind of like four four one one basically wow four one one yeah Fuck. i have four one one snow i have the vcr no way yeah i think there was only a, one of an episode of it you know like yeah. made but i have that somewhere oh shit yeah but it's kind of that basically so it's mm. come full circle but it's 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 online and that's kind of yeah and that so that's how you reach people now yeah it's all on so i wonder if they even um make anything from the sl- the magazine itself slush or whether it's it's like yeah. Th- thrasher right yeah it's this cl- it's almost apparel. a clothing brand yeah they make like, all their money from when apparel, was yeah. the last time mm-hmm. anyone bought yeah the mag because like, i mean i think there's a couple of cool ones still surviving in europe but yeah will there be a renaissance of it like i don't mm. know how it will come back around I mean, it's rad now well rad now i'm going on a tangent but say new zealand snowboarding the instagram page yes they yeah. started doing an annual photo. Yeah, which thing, is cool. Which is really cool and bringing back. So, like, Morgan, so I've talked to Morgan quite a bit, and he was sort of same reminiscing about yeah. print. And yeah. um, and it's it's fired up a bunch of people. Like, that's been really, like, say, Brent Screen, for example, mm-hmm. has been on a fucking mission to get a picture to go in oh, next year's wow. one. Okay. And people have got that so thing now. It's cre- which, which, okay, and, so that's fair. So that that's another thing that magazines provided was a mm, goal. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, a, and a point in doing something in order to get published and mm, get it out there. And I think the cool thing with what Morgan and Troy have been doing with this one is it's not the domain of 
the pros only. No, like, it's like yeah, if you're one of the homies submit. and you get a good shot, yeah, that's it's that. considered part. Yeah. It could be considered, which is really cool. So their um, role, their gatekeeping role is a lot wider and yeah. based on what you and I have been talking about, it kind of needs to be. Yeah, so more has inclusive. To be, yeah, it has to be like, more inclusive. It has to be, yeah. It, it has to, we have to try and create some kind of bar, but then at the same level, yeah, let a whole lot more through so that it's sustainable. Yeah, sort sustainable. of let the, the homies in as well as yeah. the pros. Yeah, and, and it's just um, about Stoke. Yeah, and they've. Um, I think they've done a good job. Yeah, like, I think it's good. They, they let me have a rant and rave. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I've so. got a few photos in, in the latest issue as well, which I had to dig out the archives. But, um, oh, from Kaylee's yeah, thing. Yeah, which is all about mm. female snowboarding, which was really cool. Well, she's done... You were talking off mic, because she did a... Speaking of media, a couple of years ago, she did a She'll Be Right. She was one of the driving forces behind a She'll Be Right. Yeah. I think well, it was a video a... thing. All girls um, event. Was all it? girls. I think it was all girl writers yeah. and all girl um, video yeah. and editing. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, and but I'm I, someone else will know more than I do. Yeah. I remember seeing her and being like, oh, this is cool. She you talked know? to me a little bit about it because she um, was she didn't know I existed. Basically, she was looking for female photographers and videographers, which um, are nowadays are very scarce on the ground. Mm. And, and so she, I think she's hoping to do one at the end of this month, end of September, mm. uh, do another one, in which case, yeah, I might be able to go up and actually shoot it as well. So, so that yeah, look, Kaylee and I have talked a lot about... Uh, the visibility of women in the media and also like the lack of photographers and videographers and also down to um, like like uh, Instagram clips mm. like girls aren't aren't getting together and doing Instagram clips so much like in mm. New Zealand they're not like we've got some amazing role models going on in the states right now I don't know if you know Jess Kimura's story yeah I, I've I want to watch the video. Have you watched? Uh, so she the, has the learning, to, learning to drown. I want to watch that, but yeah. I sort of, I know I need to be in the right frame of mind. Frame of mind because it. yeah. it's gnarly. Yeah, but and you know about the uninvited though. A little bit. So like basically, Jess get. Um, she's an amazing rider, heavy, mm. heavy rail rider, and she's free ride doing a lot of free riding now. Mm. And like, mm. um, she got sponsored by Nike, got the Nike money, mm. and felt kind of uncomfortable with the with it Mm. and so instead of like not taking it she took it and then took the money and um she created the uninvited so she paid filmers and she got five girls she kind of handpicked five girls and spent the whole season um she did a lot of the filming and she also paid filmers the first season like it was all paid for by her because no sponsors would get on board and she created a thing called the uninvited. So it was just like five or six, maybe even more girls, you know, that kind of feature in and out of all girls writing and just mm. trying to spotlight as many as she could, basically. And right. she's now, so there's, there's three versions. She's been doing it for three years now and it's got sponsorship now and it's a little bit more self-fulfilling. Wow. But it's a huge thing. So she yeah. took them and put them on a platform and, and put them out there. And With her own money. I mean, yeah. that's a pretty noble thing to do. She's pretty cool. And, yeah. yeah. Like, she's a legend. Um, so talking about that kind of thing and trying to get girls in New Zealand to be able to um, band together and create things together, you mm. know, which is sort of what Kaylee's trying to do with with 
with that event as well and trying to encourage and give girls the confidence to either like shoot each other there's a lot of girl gangs just shredding around oh there there. is well from what i can tell anyway but i don't know if they're documenting it yeah no yeah i think they're just getting together and having a home yeah which that's rad it's cool but But, we kind of want to see them documenting it mm. make some clips have some fun with it and put it out there because Mm. it you just it's just like yeah it's kind of the importance of being seen and it's kind of my main reason of doing the podcast is that I did a lot in my time and and it's a shame that like there's other female photographers out there that didn't know I exist and it's there's so much to do with yeah if you know somebody it's kind of Zoe like you've seen Zoe succeed so you know the girls that come behind Zoe I mean it started with Drew and it's it's you know a trickle down Mm. effect that when you can see somebody doing what you want to do it gives you that you know Mm. and so we're getting that way our level of writing and that kind of thing is is all up to where it needs to be and now we need that in the surrounding industry as well because i mean that's one of the reasons i started this whole podcast was people didn't know who people were anymore yeah totally and yeah i I said it on another one about dill yeah someone's like who's that punter yeah 100 percent. even Drew bray was coaching at cadrona for years yeah and no one knew who the fuck they were sitting beside yeah and it's like dude you've got a legend teaching you right now like yeah. And and so I think maybe sort of going back to that sort of death of print, maybe totally. that's kind of that's, that vacuum yeah, that that's that vacuum that all this know. info was lost. There's like this mm. yeah, that the transfer of that sort of all that kind of information is mm. all being kinda of lost. I mean, you know, like yeah, and it's it spreads through writers and it's through photographers. What's like all the talented photographers of our mm. time, you know, like Johnny and Tim and like I mean, you know, they're, they're all being sort of just, like, yeah, lost off. Well, and, yeah, fuck, I mean, that's crazy, because you've just opened a can of worms in my head there, because, like, say when I put Abby Jackway's episode out. Yeah. Like, her media presence has been very mellow. For the last, and yeah. For the last while. Yeah. And I remember when I got all these pictures that Robux shot of her and stuff. And yeah. Like, fuck, it still stacks up. And yeah. it's fucking gnarly. Yeah. And holy fuck like how stupid of me to have forgotten yeah how gnarly yeah. abby was and yeah. probably still is yeah and it's sort of jesus where was i going with that <laughs> i was going to take that somewhere um just how we lost it basically we did the way yeah. like and so, even, so your girl gangs not yours but the girl gangs right around cadrona right now like they don't they can't see any of that yeah i mean they're seeing it from the stage but i hope they are i think they, mm-hmm. i hope they're seeing jess and i hope they're of, seeing that snow park era yeah so i remember just working at corona there was girl gang shredding there oh hard yeah but yeah they had something that they were looking at yeah and yeah yeah it's fuck i yeah. guess like we, we had all it. girl we had heaps of all girl videos back snow, there remember the snow girls yeah snow, snow girls snow the whole program yeah, yeah yeah like that's um, awesome like that's yeah rach was a big part of that like mm. we had yeah constant programs we had events i ran a couple of events i ran a premiere for La La Land, mm, which was Leanne Pelosi's movie. And Sean Lee. Yep, she started. Probably one of yeah. the first all-girl yeah. Yeah. shred films. So we kind of yeah. did more. Like, that's mm. what surprised me. Because I've kind of, you know, life, you get a little bit. I've been distanced from the industry for like a decade. And I found the article that I did with the Hey Ladies. And it's my, mm. my blurb at the front says, Woman Snowboarding's in a really good place. We've got all-girl uh, videos happening. We've got female specific pretty much everything and it kind of looks like our trajectory is amazing and then after a decade i re-engage and i'm like 
none of these things are here. I think that's the same thing you talked about before with the um, uh, recession. Like I think the yep. whole snowboard community yep. was feeling very confident when you wrote yep. that because that was 2007. Totally. I still yep. have that yep. um, issue. Yeah. Quentin was on the cover. Yeah. It's fucking sick. Yeah. That's right, because you mentioned Tim Pierce. So when I put Tim Pierce's episode out, there's yeah. obviously all these pictures that came my way. Yeah. And I was at Cadrona's base camp at yeah. work. Yeah. And I was showing one of my coworkers like there's pictures he shot of Will on mm-hmm. the fucking archway. Yeah. And they were looking around at all the shots of Cadrona, mm-hmm. and they're like, "That should be on the wall up there." Yeah. Why is it not? Yeah. And it's yeah. all just kind of falling yeah. away, yeah. you know. And yeah, it totally should be. You know, and yeah. it's like, well, again, that's why I sort of talking about print media. I guess I can announce it on here is that I'm working on trying to do a photo book based on these photos I'm getting. Yeah. Because they deserve better than an Instagram page. Yeah, Instagram. and this is kind of going to be a bit of a history. Somewhat, like yeah. trying to span from you and straight to Zoe Sinnott. Right. And then what do we do when we're not snowboarding? Yeah. Skate, surf, yeah. playing bands. Yeah, the surrounding things. culture. What happens between the stunts. Yeah. And not just the pros, also the homies. Yeah. You know, and yeah. something thereof. And, and like the cool things that came about, like Nick with Plague and like... Yeah. Um, like, I mean, Nick was a total anomaly, like, in creating snowboards. Like, the mm. ac- actual act of doing that is, it's in, like, the work that goes into it's incredible. Mm. And his ethos, too, was amusing. <laughs> See, like, there is yeah. no one I know with more conviction than, mm. than him. Like, mm. he, his conviction and his, like, strength and his beliefs were amazing, but also in a way detrimental because his, like, he... He just wanted to be able to produce... He wanted to produce amazing boards, mm. which is awesome. And then he wanted to be able to be at a point that he'd give them to his riders and he could truly support riders and he mm. could truly support the core, which were amazing. Mm. But to do all of that, you have to have a functioning business. Mm. And some of his ethos, he didn't want to ever sell out. Mm. And so then you're faced with this huge dilemma because to have the money to be able to do all those things you want to do... You've got to, you don't have to sell out, but there has to be something going on there. There has mm. to be a hot, a big machine bringing in the money on the other side. You can't just be fuck everything. No, yeah. which is, and so like he wanted all of those things, which was absolutely awesome mm. and totally respect. But that was, yeah, but he didn't want to have a marketing machine that generated the money to enable all of those things. Yeah, right. So it's catch me too. Huge catch me too for him. I mean, he yeah. was, I mean, it still is a guy that lives by his convict. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. so this dude, Luke, up, who patrols up Cadrona. Yeah. Who um, lived or worked with Nick in Keystone back in the early 2000s right, in Colorado. Yeah. It has this funny fucking story. So there's Nick's hardcore punk rock. Hardcore punk. It might have even been somewhat vegetarian or vegan or mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. based around that. Mm-hmm. And these Luke's got the story about them on public transport and some woman gets on with this huge expensive fur coat and <laughs> Nick's just like, fuck you and hocking loogies on her and shit. <laughs> 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 yeah. 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 Conviction. hundred um, percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it'll be cool to be able to include those kinds of things. I mean, yeah. the, the, you'll you'll have too much content for the book. Well, I hope so. That's, yeah, that's it'll not be a the hardest part. Will be to to thin out and choose well, what. Well, to... I tell you what, it's 
fucking close to being the Will J photo book. Yeah. Because I've got about 30 he pictures that are like, have holy shit. Book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. And, uh, and you haven't even got all of the photographers nah, come back to nah, you. No, not even. Yeah, yeah he's prolific. Yeah. Because yeah. um, his like his work ethic teamed with his skill, you know. Yeah, yeah. When you're a photographer, that's the golden well, he's mixture. A, he's a consummate professional. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. He was always. I remember um, back in the heyday when everything was great. Yeah. Um, we'd go and do like post. Me and my friends would go and do post season walks and build shit and whatever. Just a session. Yeah. He'd still be up there getting yeah. the shot. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like so. From that's you know a whole another facet from a photographer's point of view is mm. when you get that workhorse rider that's mm. both extremely talented but extremely committed. Yeah. And also, and they often have a bit of creativity where they've, you mm. know, they want to get this in certain ways and things like that. Like that's, yeah, it's, it's what, it's all you ever ask for. Because you'll yeah. get plenty of writers that are great, but then when it comes to taking a photo, it's just like, meh. Yeah. Like care factor's low, not really interested and not really interested in doing it over and over again. Him and his brother, Tim, like, the, well, I, th- I don't know, they're so good, I don't think they had to do much over again. Yeah, like, yeah, true. But it's like yeah. they always, like, so you sort of reminded me of, um, so Nick Johnson yes. sent me through this picture of Will yeah. about 2010 doing the double kink rail at Treble Cone, yeah. which is fucking gnarly. Yeah. And he was a free rider at this point. Mm. And he's like, yeah, this didn't get run. We're like, how? And they're like, because well, the magazines had too many shots of him already. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. what? Okay. <laughs> yeah. The other amazing thing, like, with Will and Abby is, like, like Will would shoot with me, you know? Like, mm. he's used to shooting with top-tier photographers, and then it would be a nice day, and he'd be like, and you see him, and he'd be like, yeah, cool, let's go, you know, like... So, because you could get writers that would, you know, like, based on my reputation, you know, they would be like, oh, no, I'm only shooting with so-and-so. You mm. know, you can even get that kind of attitude, with, but, you know, they never had that. It was always like, cool, it's a beautiful day, let's go get something. Just right. that, yeah, right imagine, amount of enthusiasm and openness. Yeah, and I think that's something that the writers coming up should be looking at too, totally. right? Yeah. Is that yeah. work ethic. Yeah, that work ethic, yeah. Yeah, yeah 100%. Uh, we've segued away from something I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. While um, we're talking about top tier pros, Travis Rice was quite a bit of a fixture around here during That's It, That's All. Mm-hmm. And you ended up hosting the That's It, That's All exhibition. Uh, what was the story behind that? So, um, I, so I believe That's It, That's All was done over two seasons. So the mm. first season, the Ken Block season, right? Yeah. Um, I was up there then, and um, during that, I met uh, one night at Snowbark. I met Tim Zimmerman, who is an uh, American photographer. So he cut his teeth shooting for Grenade uh, many years in, in Mammoth. And then, um, was he one? He was one of the shooters on the DC, the Ken Block stuff. I don't, yeah, he shot that cover shot. He, sh- he was up shooting that. Mm. And they had um, Chad Otterstrom, Torstein, and Jonas with them and one other writer Tom Richards was this a Subaru no Chad Otterstrom Chad Otter you remember him yeah 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 was this on the Subaru day yeah Uh, Todd Richards and Eddie Wall were there as well right okay I don't know if I met them alright yeah so with with them I met Chad Torstein Torstein's maybe 16 Mm. at this point and Jonas and another kid whose name I can't remember um and so yeah being photographers we just started talking and and got to be friends over photography and and he pretty quickly um just became a mentor basically another yeah and he i can't really remember how it sort of we just got to be friends 
and he invited me to come the next day. Yeah, this is, it's all kind of, maybe, maybe he was on like a DC trip doing the stuff with Ken Block and then that finished and then switched. But Torstein and Jonas were with DC. So it's a kind of culmination because Travis is involved in all this. Travis wrote for DC though too. Ah, uh, okay. So that's right, okay. Connection. Yeah, okay. So, yes. And because Quicksilver was owned by DC. Well, no, DC was owned by Quicksilver. Yeah, yeah. So it's probably all that whole thing. So the next day, Tim invited me to come as like a second shooter um, to Remarkables where they had... Um, so they built this big ass jump right over next to the lake. So Red Bull oh, built, yeah. built a big jump, and so yeah, I drove. Yeah, we all drove over together. So Tim and your, I think I drove, just jumped in their car. So he basically kind of just took me under his wing, and then um, they were. So that was yes, yeah, still part of. It was still all tied in with that set. That's all. So we went over and shot this jump, and on the way I was like talking to Dave from Manual and told him like what I was going and that, and he was like, "See if you can get an interview with Travis Rice." And I was like, "Okay, all right." So went over to this remarks jump, and nothing transpired. Like few people hit it. Was that that one that they were dropping in from the lake shoots? Yeah, I think yeah. Heath talks yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're dropping. Yeah, and but like basically not much happened like there was a whole bunch of us standing around that was my first insight into like seeing red bull and the money like they were they had the helicopter there that whole day um with curtis obviously filming and going backwards and forwards and it was quite weird because it was they didn't really get a lot from it Mm. like i've got photos of it of a few of them going over and things like that but nothing really came of it there might have been a single photo printed from it in manual but aside from that like there was really not much yeah mm. and that was quite mind-blowing for me because it was just like i was just watching the money dripping around us with very little being done and no one seemed to be that bothered that like that much was sort of you know like something wasn't right about the jump and they were just like oh you know and so then travis and the crew jump in the helicopter and go heliboarding for the afternoon <laughs> yeah <laughs> And then, um, I can't really remember the, the exacts, but so I was like, okay, cool. I said to Zim, do you think I could try and, you know, suss out an interview? So, uh, and by this point I'd met Travis and, and whatnot and, and mm-hmm. he was, and they were like, yep, yeah, cool. And so I just basically got lumped in with their bandwagon. So there's like 20 of them. So there's the, um, uh, Eric Jackson and his brother, they were yep. both there. There was Kurt. There was I can't remember. There was, there was a huge Landvik was would have been around. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. He might land. I might have been. Yeah, definitely. And so they were all. Yeah. So I just got lumped in with their crew basically. And so we all went and stayed in a hotel in Queenstown. Like I don't have any memory of who paid for it. I know I had no money at the time. We all went out to dinner, um, and it was like this huge table full of people like you know all the riders everyone's just hanging out and i'm just like fuck dude like just like along for the ride and by mm. this point i'm quite fresh with manual and i'm quite fresh like i don't really know what i'm doing and just like okay cool let's just figure this out i just had to hang out and try and get the interview and then um they played during the dinner they played at the end of the dinner they played credit card roulette as to who was going to pay for it Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> so everyone has to put their like credit card in the bowl, and I'm just like, I mean, I you know, this is like a thousand two grand dinner kind of thing at least. Like, I was like, I can't even do this, so I'm just sitting there like shitting myself, going, "Oh my god!" And then luckily one of the Jackson brothers put lost, and so yeah, he paid for the whole dinner. I don't, I don't think I paid for anything. I don't even know if anyone knew who I was. I was just kind of lumped in with this crew and along for the ride. Mm. And I just hung out and hung out, and eventually I got an um, 
time so we got back to the hotel and we basically sat in the hotel lobby at like midnight and I tried to get this interview with Kurt and Travis and um yeah sat there try and it's my first one-on-one interview like you know what it's like mm. <laughs> like you know and I'm with these two guys trying to like yeah get a vibe for what they're doing so it was just at the beginning of the project so my I listened to it the other day and my questions are just like so kind of tell me about the project and they just start waffling on about nonsense and so like I did the whole thing got back home and then I was like ah oh, listen to it and Dave listened to it too and he's like yeah there's just nothing in it because were they already were they hammered or something a little bit yeah everyone was done everyone was tired i mean they joke around like it's a couple of interesting things so like i talk about the name and they say to go and watch fuba there's a movie called fuba and they're like if you want to know what it's all about well, what that's it that's all about go and watch this movie mm. and i was like okay that's interesting i've still never watched it but um yeah and and because they hadn't fully formulated like what they were doing like mm. the the gist of what they were saying is basically this is going to be the greatest movie ever which mm. was basically yeah. yeah oh it blew doors off everything yeah. yeah yeah so but then yeah to explain that so yeah that that was a real like baptism of fire but that kind of built up that relationship and then, like, a couple of days later, we all went up Snow Park, and I gave Zim a ride up Snow Park, and Travis was in behind in his car, and so we're hooning up, whatever, you know, as you do, and we're driving, and then all of a sudden, they disappear from the rear vision mirror, and I'm like, not that I was like, that's weird, and I said to Zim, it's kind of weird, they've kind of just, where have they gone? Like, they were just behind me a second ago, and then they reappear, <laughs> and Travis is on the roof of the SUV, <laughs> arms stretched either side, <laughs> and just hanging on and then they're just burning on past us and like i'm just like whoa okay. <laughs> like, and tim's just like this is just an average day like yeah. this is just him so that's how those relationships kind of build up so then the season they came back i got i was yeah still talked to zim a lot and um when they was trying to they were locking in the premiere to have it in wanaka uh, we talked about yeah doing an exhibition because Zim's got amazing photographs from from the whole. So he documented the entirety of that's it. That's mm. all. Uh, and actually, uh, from the interview, there was supposed to be a book. There's supposed to be a whole book with it, which never got made. So that would be really cool if that. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, when you bought the DVD, it had like the a book li- attached, yeah. which was a real a cool li- taste of what could have been. Yeah. Because right? when they're talking in the interview, they're talking about like a hardcover proper book, basically. Mm. So that would be kind of fun. Um, so yeah, Zim and I just basically, yeah, started working on the exhibition. So it was designed, so you came, if, yeah, before the premiere, we were open and we had, I don't know how many of his so was images. So this in the good room? Yeah. So we right. set it all up in the good room and, um, yeah, Quicksilver helped out and yeah, I, I basically organized the whole thing and all of the framing and all that kind of stuff. And we, yeah, had, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 of prints of photographs from it and set them all up and yeah everyone kind of came through before going to the premiere and like travis and kurt and everyone and all the red bull people came through and then we all went on to the premiere Mm. and watched the thing so it was it was quite a big deal obviously but they were just like yeah super supportive and just into it basically yeah yeah like yeah through that whole thing we i also did an amazing interview with mikey perillo do you know yep yeah, so he's the artist behind like yeah. almost all of Travis's graphics. Mm. So he brought him over. Uh, I don't know if it's the first or the second trip, 
to paint that graph. It must have been first. He's so, painting it at Snow Park, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he set up in the apartment. Yeah, mm. yeah. So that's where we went up there, and I did an interview with him up there. And um, Zim took a bunch of photos for the article. And yeah, so he brought him over this whole trip just to get the vibe of what he was doing, what Travis was doing, so that he could mm. then create the, that artwork that went on the board. I need to watch that movie again. I fucking haven't watched it in a long time because of what the, 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 the monster that it created yeah yeah and um but that one was pretty pure and yeah i mean real. it drew a line in the sand but it yeah. was it was pure and it's kind of amazement and amazing mm. we had the world premiere here in yeah. Wanaka. Like, well, and how much of a fixture he was like yeah. there was that night he bought the whole bar around and shit it might have been that and night was it i can't remember. well i remember going to red rock so after the premiere being at red rock and Kurt and Travis are behind the bar pouring all of the alcohol for everybody. I think I've got a photo of it somewhere. Yeah, so they're just in there. Just They just mm. became the bartenders, basically. Mm. Like, and then there's that infamous eyebrow story on yes. Guy and Ollie's yeah, yeah. episodes. Yeah, it is amazing how much he... He was a big part of the fabric here for a while. Yeah. And he was lovely. Like, he was cool to deal with. He was really supportive in everything that, like, yeah, and all the interactions that I had with him and we did. And it was, yeah, cool opportunities. Mm. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. You've had quite a bit of an input in uh, what we would consider snowboarding's golden era in this country. Mm-hmm. Are you following snowboarding today? Uh, from Like I say, I've kind of re-engaged in the last couple of years. Um, and, yeah, so I've re-engaged, but primarily just ticked in with what woman goes on in women snowboarding. Mm. That interests me a lot more. And yeah, I just think there's a it's an important thing that's going on. Mm. So to an extent, yeah, yeah. Is there any riders that have caught your eye or anything? I mean, it's been amazing watching Zoe. Mm. It's yeah, been pretty damn special. Um, and cool is amazing as well. I follow yeah. her on Instagram, and then kind of been yeah, like just obviously Steffi, and then checking in a lot with the American girl crew, like yeah, like Jess Kimura and. Desiree and um, there's like just a whole crew of like rad riders over mm. there that I've kind of yeah just yeah kind of just re-engaging with them and kind of seeing what's going on and looking yeah. for you know their female photographers like even over there there's one girl Ashley who's shooting really cool photos but mm. I think they're still thin on the ground mm. yeah so to that extent yeah yeah, I think you know, subject to female photographers like this girl Belle Grace has yeah. been making a name for herself. Yeah, I've been lately, following her work, and she's cool. got yeah, she's she's got the eye for it for mm. sure. Yeah, she's doing really lovely stuff. So, yeah, it's cool to see people poking through the woodwork. You know, yeah, yeah we'll get there somehow. You have any thoughts on sort of the writings or the media thing that's going on? We've kind of gone through that. Kind already, of gone through probably, most of it. There's a sadness for like what's missing, mm. and I don't, I don't know what to resolve about it. Mm. Like it'll be fun to do like a round table with like, like you could even do it with like Ed and Guy and maybe me and like a few other people that has these real overviews of the and how how you mm. might be able to try and actually fill in those gaps that are in there. Yeah. Like how do you get? Yeah. Because I feel like there's sort of. Like we mentioned in most episodes, we, as we should, the Mini Pipe World Champs. Yes, which is cool. And But then you've also got sort of the Quest Lib Tech Bank Slalom, yep. the Mount Hutt Bank Slalom. Yep. So there are these events, but it's kind of Bank Slaloms and Mini Pipe, yep. and that's kind of... 
there's certain kind of riders uh, no. too as oh, well. Then. And Volcom do a cool thing called the side hit comp. Have you seen that's that? That's awesome. Yeah, yep. that's yep. rad. And um, remarks. So it's like, do we need grassroots? Yeah, they did a, a comp just in the weekend day. Just yeah, a little, I think it was a, a little jam. Comp, yeah. Which is cool. And it was like, a jam yeah. format, which is what you want. So mm. maybe there's, maybe like, maybe the money starts to come back in. Maybe the events start to creep back in. And then maybe some of this ecosystem starts to come back in. But yeah. you've really got to look at what survived. Like um, Pat Bridges did a really interesting interview on Bombhole. And he, he's the editor of Snowboarder Mag. So he's mm. one of the oldest editors in snow in, in the States. And he talks, you know, like about all that ecosystem. So you've got to, we have, it'd be cool to try and pull some stuff from back then. And then we have to find a way to bring that in so that it actually gets in front of, like, because I'd love to make a book, right? It all works now. But yeah. is there any point in me making a book? Because mm. is it actually going to get in front of people? Like, you know, like there's, yeah. there's, if you want to try and make a difference in, you know, certain things, like it's, if you want to reach those, that age group, yeah, there has to be some kind of new ecosystem that supports them mm. and potentially gives them a career path outside of high performance. But it's interesting how... See, you just got me thinking of something then. So I've been listening to Mike Rankwitz's podcast yeah. quite a bit. He's yeah. one of my favourite dudes. And yeah. He's got a lot of opinions on a lot of things. Some you agree with, some you don't. But, it, but um, Jesus, where was he going with this? <laughs> um, I kind of think he nails it, like, say... I feel like skateboarding is about six years culturally ahead of where snowboarding is. Yeah. And at the moment, I don't know, I just kind of feel like, say, like, skating, you're like, say, the uh, anti-hero trip, dude's gone a trip. Yeah. When they come out here. Yeah. They didn't just bring the young guys. No, they brought the, They bought yeah. Jeff Grosso. Yeah. They bought yeah. Brian Anderson. They bought... Yeah. The yeah. whole thing, whereas at the moment it you seems to be see that in snowboarding. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and here's mm-hmm. a That's an interesting bizarre point. thing because Guy mentioned it in his podcast about how with Burton they were always aiming for the youth yes. market. Yeah, but I'm 42. I have more disposable income than a 16 year old, mm-hmm. and I buy snowboard gear, mm-hmm. and I'm not the only one. Mm-hmm. So why are they focusing it all towards just that mm-hmm. when? Yeah, when Shouldn't, we are actually yeah, like a viable part of the market. Yeah, you know, like we are able to but to spend eight hundred dollars yeah. on a jacket if we really like it. Whereas totally, whereas yeah. when you know, yeah. and so I must think kind of the whole snowboard industry needs yeah. to probably have a wee shake up on yeah. that. And whether there is room, I mean, maybe yeah. there is room for for print again. Like maybe it's mm. there because you just got me thinking with that. Say my book idea. Yes, it's like. I'm pretty confident that it's going to be from like late twenties to yes. my age. It's yeah, going to we're buy the, the ones fucking who are thing. Buy it. Yeah, but that's fine because yeah. that's the age that yeah. actually has the money to spend. Yeah, when we when I was in my early twenties, I didn't have the fucking money to spend. No, that's no, no, why no. I'm working in a workshop to make my fucking. I wasn't buying boards. And that's kind of what I'm getting at yeah, about like, if you like, I'd like to do something that supports uh, women and and like say say giving them confidence to take photos and videos and things like that. <laughs> And so I'm thinking about how I'm going to reach them because the people mm. I need to reach are 18 to 25. Mm. So it has to be in their world and their language, which yeah. is something that's super foreign to me. So mm. like, yeah, when you're trying to figure out how you're going to talk to your markets, then that's where you have to consider things. Yeah, because when we were in our early 20s, there wasn't many 42-year-old no. snowboarders No, around. well, you know. none would there because we were a part of the early group. Real, yeah. Oh, I mean... Jay. My granddad was an exception. Yeah, yeah. But 
Like yeah, they're pretty yeah. Because I guess spine at yeah. that time spine all those guys would have been in their thirties. Yes, exactly. That's kind so, of what I'm saying. So all the yeah. original, the OGs, they're still yeah, still yeah. at that point. So so going back to um, the, I guess the other thing, yeah. I, this is <laughs> yeah. I just thought that I probably need to mention as well. Like so, I had the you might have to like cut this back in. I had the good room here in Wanaka for maybe two or three years mm-hmm. uh, and then the recession was like yeah full on and I made the decision to close the shop down so mm-hmm. I got I employed accountants to like do a whole thing and decide whether or not I'd be able to sort of get through the recession and what I needed and sort of thing and they basically said yeah probably not so instead of like going out of money and costing everyone money I, I shut the shop down Mm. Uh, and then not long after I left Wanaka just because I didn't know what to do with myself really and I just kind of needed a time out to figure out after like I'd all my whole life dream was to own a shop and I'd done mm. it and it was you know then it had not only not lasted for that long so it was pretty tricky and I um ended up moving yeah back up north and met my partner Glenn and we ended up reopening the good room at the skate shop Oh, right. Yeah, so we have ran that for about seven years, basically, before mm. we sold it a couple of years ago. So that's given me a really unique insight into the skate industry as well. Because Glenn's pretty tight with the skate industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he um, does a lot of design work for a lot of the skate brands and is really involved and he's just always been in skateboarding. So, And it gives you... When you say that skateboarding's culturally ahead of... of snowboarding I mean, I mean skateboarding is culturally ahead of almost everything like it's it's usually mm. the the innovator and in things like what i was trying to say with that is like if you viewed if you watched say jamie like welcome to hell yeah it's still yeah there's up. a lot of that still holds up yeah so you watch stomping grounds yeah not as much of it holds right, up now okay. yeah you know yeah, so like, that's interesting yeah that, yeah. that that's my thoughts yeah. anyway like you watch uh, the sections in Stomping Grounds, like, unless it's like Noah, Jamie Lynn, Dave Downing, mm-hmm. Dave Lee, yeah, the rest of it looks very 1996. Yeah, yeah. If you watch Jamie Thomas or Donnie Barley yeah, or Ed Templeton's part in Welcome yeah, to Hell, got, mm, a lot of that stuff would still more work. Timeless, yeah. Uh, although it's not Enders, yeah. it's still yeah heavy to watch. That whereas if you fast forward to when the the Resistance came out, yeah have that obviously yeah. a lot of that stuff would work in a video now now yeah you know yeah. where that's about yeah. five years after yeah that's kind of yeah, where yeah. I'm going I see what with you're that. saying yeah that's you know? cool that's valid I mean what I keep one I'm curious though if if you you know think Olympics really messed with the trajectory of you know like we've talked mm. about with snowboarding yeah what is the Olympics going to do with skateboarding is the same thing going to oh. happen I don't, yeah. I don't I don't I think there's enough I, I mean, I really... I think the body of people that skateboard is large enough that there will be a portion that split off to that world. They already mm. have. But you've still got a large portion that stay in that other camp. Yes, we don't have the numbers to be able to split off enough. Yeah, well, and that's the thing is I don't want the skate park I go to to become a training facility. No, well, I mean, you know, like, yeah. But, <laughs> like, that is what they look to now. Yeah. Like, that is a... like. They look at Olympic qualified skate parks. Like, I know this because we're trying to get a skate park built at home. Yeah. And, and that's Fuck. the kind of stuff. Yeah. So, like, I mean, that's a, that, there's a positive and negative to that because we, we've been trying to get a skate park built for the last 10 years. Like, I've mm. stood in front of the council and tried to sell them on it. 
And finally, after 10 years, they're actually paying attention. No, and the reason they're paying attention yeah. is because of the Olympics as a thing and everyone's seen it. And so yeah. it's not that so reason. It's, do- it's that double-edged sword, Yeah, isn't it? so it right. has created some of opportunity in that way. But then but, you've got to be but, able to maintain that so, whole you know, grassroots whole world has, itch, to, has to stay there. It sort of mentions that. Like, yes, he talks like about it. Yeah. Snowboarding and skateboarding. Yeah. They don't need the Olympics. Yeah. Well, they didn't. No. The Olympics needed them. Yes. Yeah. And now... Now snowboarding does, I guess? Now it's kind of... Yeah, because... Yeah. So it's well, all about maintaining that core grassroots section of, of yeah. your... And, I mean, it's probably, like, it's also a numbers game. Like, with, you know, that's, snowboarding is not an easy thing to get to, mm. and it's a somewhat privileged sport to do. Yeah. You have to have a lot of money in the first place to even step on the mountain. Mm. And so, you know, your numbers, your core amount of people, if you're going to split that group into do and be half half high performance and half core, you're left with bugger all on either side. So mm. that's kind of why one side's won out as well. And it's, yeah, and it did seem, I know, and I don't know if I'm just looking at Rosie, Rosie lenses from back, but did seem somewhat, snowboarding did seem somewhat more accessible. Yeah, I mean, we were definitely broke most of the time. But it didn't matter. No. Like, we were just... Yeah. yeah, but then like our contri- like I th- contribution was pretty low too. We mm. were the ticket scammers, and we were the you know yeah. Yeah. like <laughs> and the and yeah the discount scammers and yeah mm. whatever we could do to scrape by we did. Yeah. Mm. Well, on this one too, uh, do you have any advice for aspiring shredders? Yeah, that's a pretty tough one. Um, I don't have, well, yeah, I kind of do, like, I guess it's it's really along the line of, like, if you're not a high performance, then, like, don't throw it away. I Mm. think there's, the seasoners, like, need more value, and Mm. I think it's important to see where the seasoners have ended up, Mm. people like yourself, and, like, Bridget, there's hundreds of people that have actually found a lifestyle and a a career and a world within the snow industry mm. so if you love snowboarding don't think that you have to either go like and if high performance isn't your thing like that's not the end of it like mm. there's still a way to live your life snowboarding yeah. like that i think that's a really important thing and and you can still be yeah really good at it and and like there, there's so much there to it but there's there is a world that is there that mm. you can commit to it's like yeah you got park builders yeah. i'm always after keen yeah. people in the workshop yeah and then you've got um, all like you've still got people in marketing like you could still yeah. go and get a degree in marketing come back and mm. and Coaching. work on a mountain you can work back-to-back seasons all around the world like mm. some of this that stuff gets unsustainable the older you get but there is a world there basically mm. like it's not like yeah don't get bummed out if you don't meet the standards of that basically so my first season at Cadrona, it yeah. became very obvious you know like yeah approached there being you know, the dumb teenager i'm gonna get sponsored and all that and become very obvious very quick that i was nowhere near the level yeah you know yeah and then i was able riding. to sustain yeah Working in workshops and yep. travel the world doing that. Bingo, that exactly. Cool. And that's what's, yeah, that's what matters. Like there's other things out there. You know? Yeah, <laughs> and like, yeah, so it's it's kind of that, basically, mm. yeah. yeah. And what's the best advice you've received? Um, best advice I've received is often good enough, good enough is often good enough. Mm. Uh, like, that's kind of, you know, when you're talking about perfectionists, like, mm. sometimes good enough is good enough. You don't, it doesn't have to be perfect. 
Yeah. And the other one is you don't have to know all the answers. You just know have have to know how to look for them. Like, Sweet. yeah, everything I've done, I've gone into with blind optimism and faith, not knowing how to do anything. Literally everything I've winged it. Yeah. And you go in there and then you figure out how to do it. You know, like yeah. I've made all these books. I've done all these things like I didn't know how to do it. You just go in there and figure it out. Yeah. And it falls into place and you learn shit and now you've got Google. Yeah. <laughs> it has the answer to literally everything. Yeah. Then you're done. Like, mm. yeah. Yeah. So. Cool. And uh, that's my notes done. If there's uh, anything we're missing. No, I think um, we've probably some... spent too much time already. Is <laughs> there some thank yous and shout outs? Yeah. Like to give out before we do our enders. Yeah. Um, obviously, shout out to Glenn, my partner. And then the big, and then, yeah, I guess like the guys at Manual, uh, like Johnny and Dave Reed. And then um, from there, it's really like my crew from back in the day, like um, Jane and Holly and Liz uh, and Emma. Even like Barrett, Dan, Jordan, they all let me take photos of them all the time. Like it must have been pretty annoying to just have me always on the camera. And they'd do also they'd have me with my assignments. Like it was yeah, like a huge thing. Like when I look back now through all my photos, it's it's them, and it's like I couldn't have got where I got without them letting me practice with them basically. Mm. So yeah, that's a big shout out to that crew. Yeah. Oh, cool. Mm. Owls, uh, stock enders, you know the drill. Right, yep, hit me. Favourite rider? Current day. You go current and past. Uh, probably Zoe. Sick. And I say that watching her at, um, uh, what's it called? Like uh, the uh, free ride competition. Yeah, yeah. I fucking forgot it all of a <laughs> sudden. I can't believe it. Natural selection. Natural selection. Yeah, yeah. Seeing like her potential and mm. that, like, in and in a, yeah, it's yeah. That I'm looking forward to seeing more and more there. Yeah, cool. yeah. Favorite mountain in New Zealand and overseas. Yeah. Look, I think remarks. Yeah. Mm. And then overseas, I've kind of just got it. Oh, June Mountain for sure. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah favorite board so i you know my current board because i stopped writing well not stopped writing but left the world about 10 years ago so all my gear is old <laughs> my boots literally fell apart yesterday like oh no yeah, yeah I've, I've been having a few of you guys come yeah to i know the shop. oh i'm coming because <laughs> yeah. i'm like i don't want to buy new boots i haven't reason that much but like they're just glues deteriorated in them mm. Uh, so emma lent me her board to ride which is a burden storyboard and it was life-changing like, I obviously haven't ridden a new board in 10 years, and there's new tech, and it blew my mind. Yeah, like, completely changed my writing, completely changed everything. So, yeah, shout out to that board. Cool. <laughs> Favourite video part? Video part, Travis Parker and Lane. Oh, wow, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big fan of him, his yeah. writing and his creativity, and Lame and After Lame were just everything to me. Mm. Because they yeah. encompassed creativity behind the scenes and everything in a really accessible joyful way yeah that was the antithesis to the mac dog Bingo. movies wasn't it yeah, yeah yeah it was it was just about having fun mm. yeah favorite gig um de la sol and wanaka oh that's right yeah <laughs> they are, they are literally one of my favorite bands of all time oh, so forget. you imagine being told that your favorite band is playing 
in your hometown of 5,000 people. Like, <laughs> yeah. it was just, I was just like, nah, whatever. Like, did I, not believe it until I had, had a ticket in my hand. I, I still forget that I've seen Day Last All Life. It's nuts. Like, it's nuts. Yes, and like, in Wanaka. In Wanaka. In yeah. Wanaka. Like, I saw, I've seen them twice. I saw them in Auckland as well. But yeah. in Wanaka, like, I don't know Then a few how. years later, the far side played in Wanaka. Yeah, rad. Okay, yeah. that's cool. I didn't get to see them, but... Mm. Favourite city? Yeah, that's pretty tough, eh? Um... <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I guess it's like let's call Queenstown Wanaka a, a city. Let's let's lump them in pretty here. Pretty much there now. Yeah, mm. you're pretty much a city. Mm. Yeah, we'll call it. <laughs> Favorite track? Oh, for me, I mean, you know, I'm a washed up photographer. My time on board, you know, you have to realize like as soon as I start taking photos, my time on a snowboard reduced, you know, to just traversing with a huge camera bag on my back. So as far as like progressing as a snowboarder, that goes on the back burner because and that. So I had this great idea that if I was if I'm a snow photographer, it's literally the best job ever. But very quickly that bubble burst too, and it just became a job, you know. Mm. And you get a little bit burnt out. Like on my day off, I didn't want to go riding because I'd already been up there trying to shoot photos all the time. You need mm. a break from it, so a part of that kind of backfired on me too. Um, so I guess just, yeah, I don't know, like 50-50 board slide. Sweet. Yeah, nothing too fancy. Ooh. Yeah. Favourite board graphic? Yeah, right. I'd say, yeah, I don't know. Jess Kamara's got a pretty funny, a uh, pretty red unicorn one from a couple of years ago. Uh, from mine, I had this cool option board, which had a mushroom graphic on it. But then I suppose I can go to the Mikey Perillo ones, like... Mm. the one with a swirly mountain it's actually like just a square it's like a lib tech it was a super long board and it's just a square and there's a super swirly mountain painted yeah i don't know what it's called i remember things visually rather than names yeah uh who has the best method uh christy Pryor. yeah yeah putting it out there <laughs> yeah and final bonus question what's the key to a good method Yoga with Christy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, she knows how to do it. Mm. And that gives you all the flexibility you need. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time, Hayley. And Thank you. Gosh knows how long it went. <laughs> <laughs>